this pleases me. Oh, yeah. This pleases me. This. Smart Home Technology. Technology. Alexa, please turn the heating up. I'm very cold. After that, please play. Digger Digger. Oh no, 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 no. I do not want this. Alexa, stop. Smartphones. Stupid people. Smart homes. Smart homes, stupid people. Smart homes, stupid people. Smart homes. Stupid people. Smart homes. Smart homes, stupid people. Hello everyone, this is Smart Home Stupid People with another episode called Pet Peeves. <laughs> and uh, I'm Madeline, I'm Madeline Siege, and uh, this is Eris Felmuth just coming in. Hello, this is Eris. <laughs> so. And yeah, welcome back to another, another episode. It's Sunday uh, here, it's evening with many of you guys, it's um, mid midday. Yeah, it's afternoon, afternoon uh, Eastern time. Standard Time. Today we do it always six o'clock our time, and yeah. that works out pretty well for North America, actually. Yeah, so welcome. And uh, today we will talk about things that piss us off. <laughs> piss us off. <laughs> yeah, well, from so, our industry. <laughs> exactly. So we're talking about pet peeves today. Which I had to ask him first what that actually means. If you translate it in German, it's it's like a weird pet animal that doesn't well, that's, exist <laughs> that's that's what german tries that's what the translator tries to get it word yeah. for word just checking everything is green we are good we are green exactly so pet peeves today's actually going to be a funny episode because um as i mentioned the last time our industry tends to be quite similar actually and the very first pet peeve that we wanted to talk about was greenwashing hmm. because it is one-to-one, -one, I think, with us. And then, obviously, within our daily work lives and the rest of our grind, you know, uh, making our way in through the industry up to where we are today, yep. there are definitely different things that we have to go through in order to become, you know, stable in the industry. And we're going to be going through some of those funny details about that. <laughs> so, and we're not going to, it's not going to all just be doom and gloom. I think that uh, no, we're going to, in the end, no. we're going to try and find some enlightening aspects about this in order to make sense of it all. Yeah. I think, you know, what's important is also just, just to see what kind of things you like and what you don't like. And the things you don't like, you can just walk away from it. You don't need to stay there and like, you know, argue and, and, and mourning about it all day long. <laughs> Either you find solutions to change it. If you want to stay in that area, if you want to really change something, then find solutions or you just leave. So I think it's always good if you figure out what you like and what you don't like. That's right. So we have uh, some action already happening in some of the different wow. chat rooms that we have <laughs> open in front of us. As I've previously mentioned, we are live on Rockfin Rumble, Twitch, DLive, Telegram. We have the Smart Home Stupid People channel and the Smart Home Stupid chat. So if any of you guys want to actually chat through us uh, yep. to us through Telegram, Join the Smart Home Stupid channel, and there you'll be able to find quickly the Smart Home Stupid chat. It's linked to it, and you can write messages in the Smart Home Stupid chat. So, there we go. Um, and live on Podbean also. Hello to everyone out there on Podbean. I hope you can hear us properly today because uh, 
My browser didn't give me any warning as to what type of microphone input it's using. So uh, maybe <laughs> you guys sweet. can give us a little thumbs up if we're coming through clearly or whatnot. That'd be nice to know. So, <laughs> I, know I, I, I decided to use a different browser this time. It was stupid of me, but uh, now I don't want to stop the feed while it's in the middle of broadcasting. Huh. So Maybe actually something before we start with the topic from the last episode that I wanted to to mention and sure. to update you guys. I think in the last, up the, uh, last episode, it was about deadlines. And if you listen to the episode, you knew that I was pretty harsh on my deadline, <laughs> my book. But it turned out that, yeah, everything actually is, is, is good now. I wrote my publisher and I said, you know, guys, I won't make it. I have still two chapters, uh, like two uh, scenes left. I have to go through and I said, well, then just send us what, what you have. And then you have another week time for the last two chapters because they also have to start going through everything that will take time. So after all, things are <laughs> working out well. So there's no disaster at the end, nothing that we have to shift, like no publication dates or anything like that. But I, I really pushed hard the last couple of days and yesterday I sent them, like I would say 90% of my manuscript and now it's just a little, little bit more work left mm -hmm. and just wanted to share that because it was, I'm very happy about that. Very <laughs> so. nice. So yeah. um, I've decided to also put a list on screen. We'll see if this works. There you go. Ah, okay. Pet that looks nice. I don't know where Maybe not it, in front of your face. No. Right, I'll, I'll put it down here for now and we'll just kind of go through it like oh, that. Oh, okay. To see That's what good, yeah. So the first pet peeve that we're going to talk about is greenwashing. I don't know how to spell it. I guess that's a word. In German, we'd make it one word. In English, maybe with the hyphen in the middle. Yes, I, I actually also know it from like two words, greenwashing, washing things green. So like, <laughs> there we go, greenwashing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so what is greenwashing? Let's start there. So for for you guys out there, um, Madeline is a biologist, as we can see here. Dr. Rerea Nat <laughs> in biology. She actually <laughs> learned recently what that actually means. Yeah. Um, it's the equivalent of a PhD in the North American world. In German, we have different titles, and that's hers. <laughs> so there you go. And for me, I'm a building automation senior technician. I've been building um, smart homes is what the word is hate that word. And, mm. and um, I've been building smart homes for about, at least over 15 years now. Mm. And um, I started originally in North America, moved my way over to Europe and uh, very, very, very different industries. I can't even. Mm. And then we're going to talk about that a little bit today. And the reason why um, I think it's also an important topic to go over, it's not just because it's fun to rant sometimes. <laughs> it's because of... <laughs> If any of you out there are interested in my industry, maybe maybe you should hear a couple things that I have to say before you uh, perhaps dive into it, thinking mm. it's going to be a, a, a great, easy little transition into it. Uh, and the same thing with uh, Madeline. From all the things that she's told me in the past, um, that was actually one of the main inspirations, I think, for this episode. It's very easy for me to complain about shit that I don't <laughs> like. But it's actually very counterintuitive, I think, for uh, a lot of people to maybe hear what those things are. Mm -hmm. And the same thing in your industry. I think yeah. that uh, a lot of people, they, they, they know what a biologist is. What does a biologist do? Mm, yeah, well, that's something I, I always get asked by people. Mm -hmm. Should we start there or we want to have the greenwashing first? Um, no, let's start there. I think that this yeah? is a, a, a fun little place to start. I'm going to open up our notes in front of you. Oh, so okay. That, uh, yeah, I can have a peek on so that. So you can have a peek. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, I mean, that's actually something that you have to ask yourself 
a couple times during your studies, what is a biologist doing? Because you don't know at the end. <laughs> yeah, and why are you studying to begin with? Why are you studying yeah. it? It's not like you're becoming a doctor and you know what you to do or like a teacher or a lawyer. It's just so open because basically what you do is you study life. You know, you go through all the different subjects from chemistry of the cell up to the behavior of animals to like genetics, everything to understand how... Mathematics, statistics. Yeah, mathematics, all that. That's yeah. the first couple, the first two years. Like I, I was studying diploma, um, like on a diploma level, which is, I think we already talked about this in former episodes. It's kind of equivalent to a master's degree, but even a little bit higher because it was something that was invented by the German government. And it made it made German education really special and very mm -hmm. high quality. That's why we are very, yeah, I think people from other countries really valued the, the German education yeah. system. But then all of a sudden people thought, oh, we, you know, we have to change that because people got are very old when they're from the university because it yeah. takes a while. It's not like you have the bachelor in between. We have like kind of a pre-exam or mid-exams, mm -hmm. but this is not something that you get a certificate for and say, well, now I can go to the, you know, I can go work, yeah. but it's not a real exam at the end. It's not something that you can yeah, work Yeah, it's with. funny enough. Um, ah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, the, that uh, on our side, on my side anyway, it's very similar too, as I'm starting to see actually for the first time education in my industry. Now, it sounds weird to say it mm. like that, but I say it like that because uh, 15 years ago when I started doing this, there there was n there was no education mm -hmm. for this. Like, you know what I mean? Like 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 things have have changed and opened up so much yeah. that now actually here in Germany you can have you can do um courses in building automation and smart home, you know, programming and so on and mm -hmm. so forth. It's actually quite a problem because um I know some people much like myself, I I was self-employed for many, many years, and then I joined a company, which I recently um, am now retiring from, and I'm going back to being self-employed. And I'm really curious this time around to see what they're going to tell me, hmm. because, you know, I'm almost 40. I'll be 38 in a few months. Uh, <laughs> and... Um, I, I, there, there, there was no education for what mm. I do, which is actually one of the cool reasons why I started doing this to begin with, because mm -hmm. it was like the wild west of, of technology. <laughs> uh, you know, it really was. And the uh. cowboy mentality did really well. A lot of the people, uh, sales reps and so on and so forth, mm. they all, it's a, it was really, it was a great industry to get going in, I think, 15 mm -hmm. years ago, because most of the people only came from a couple different areas. Mm -hmm. uh, either you were a musician, mm. right? Mm -hmm. uh, you're into car hi-fi audio mm -hmm. that was a huge one mm -hmm. right and um then there was the tv hi-fi you know yeah. environment so a lot of people coming from building home theaters um satellite systems and that kind of thing you know so that just like you saw in the, there's a funny movie in germany um called what's the one is that ddr good good goodbye lenin or good night lenin or oh whatever. no it's go trabi go no not that one not the, the, that the one. lenin one. Oh, yeah lenin goodbye lenin goodbye lenin exactly yeah. and in goodbye lenin <laughs> you see the the the, the wall comes down and the East Germans, they're trying to make money. Like they have no idea about capitalism or anything like that. And in the movie, a couple of them figure out that they can make a couple hundred dollars a pop putting satellite dishes on someone's house. <laughs> and so that's what they did. They just, you know, they were trying to get like five to 10 of them up in a day, you know, sweating and working and having money for the first time. And it was like that also back in the 90s and in the early 2000s with uh, a lot of the people who started getting into this industry too. Back mm. then it was uh, learning about hooking up satellite systems and learning uh, coax uh, distributions and then, you know, telephone distributions. And mm. then when the internet started 
coming. You know, for a lot of you guys out there, that might not be something to really remember, but I remember 56K modems. You know, I remember telephone dial-up. I remember all that stuff. And so what had happened was is um, a lot of the these demands that people had, you know, there was no industry to come for people. Mm -hmm. Like there was no, like now we have network technicians, we have all those things, but you go back 15, 20 years ago, it was a very, very, very different environment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But maybe um, to go back to your question, what biologists do? <laughs> yeah, so we, <laughs> we have here, we have uh, oh. from from the only cra crazy lady. Uh, I remember no computers. It, it, I, <laughs> I do too as a kid. Like obviously, you know, we're born in the in, in the early mid 80s. Yeah. And so uh, I, I remember, uh, you know, yeah. when, 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 when I used to go online, we used to go to libraries. And that was like the first place where the internet for me existed. Absolutely, and I had never been in a library before. Be <laughs> fucked to do that. And and so we go to the library, and 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 back then, um, you know, there were there were videos and uh, like yeah. barely videos. I think the first video I'd ever seen <laughs> online was actually um, that five minute skit, "Spirit of Christmas," uh, from from the South Park guys oh. in like ninety four or ninety five oh goodness, before yeah. they became a TV show. Yeah, yeah, right. Funny that you mentioned that with the library. It's something in my book. Actually, all of my research I've done from home during, you know, internet because mainly I'm looking for publications and scientific papers, but sometimes mm -hmm. I'm looking for books and you can even find them online. Yeah. So each time I think, oh, tomorrow I might just go to the, to the library to look up the most recent books on stress or this and that. And then I, feel, I figured... Maybe I don't need to go anywhere. I just like sit down with my, you, my blanket at home and <laughs> yeah, yeah. just being comfy, wumpy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Eh? So yeah. that's actually a cool thing. But yeah, I mean, I'm also, you know, that old that I remember the sound of the modem. There's like, mm -hmm. but even still, even um, I remember when you were finishing up your doctoral thesis mm -hmm. that uh, you spend a lot of time in the libraries and you said rightfully so, you know, show, why don't you go get that book over there and show people this is the, the latest edition. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> just so you guys know, Madeline just recently bought this and this is the latest edition. Sure. Yeah. It's nice and heavy. It's, it's, you know, of, uh, That's of the Bible of a biologist though in Germany, right? Well, yeah, but there's also, there are actually, um, the, the authors are, I think, English-speaking authors, so that's the German translation, you mm -hmm. can have it in different languages. But that thing was really my my go-to yeah. uh, thing, and I think I read it like a couple of times, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but I really love it because there's everything in, in biology, and if you just want to have a quick look to, yeah. So maybe come back to the question what a biology biologist, biologist does is. or right. is. Yeah, we got a bit sidetracked with the with the no, whole that's thing, good. right? That's good. Like we are a healthy rhythm going in curves. <laughs> Sorry, I was just writing about this today. Yeah, well. we have a person here saying, I remember homeschooling my son twenty years ago. Today is way easier. And it's and I and yeah. I presume so, yeah. All the information's there. You don't have to go buy books like crazy. I mean, a lot yeah. of them I can't stand reading off a screen, but you know, um it, it's like when you want the information and it's right there and as you mentioned, you don't mm -hmm. you don't want to go to the library and figure it out and stuff. It's it's Well, at different. least you have the choice, right? I mean, I I most of my diploma thesis and my doctoral thesis I was in a library and it was actually nice. Some some people need that kind of routine to get out of the house to sit down where other people are also working and then you know, you have the quiet space and then you can yeah. proceed but I like that but I also really like it just to being at home being able in the middle of the time just going with my pajamas and you know, having my cat on the lap and just just yeah I think we're what what it shows is just that we have now so much more options mm -hmm. that technology and this is what it is it's the purpose of technology enables us to have more options to solve problems in, mm -hmm. a, in a different way and 
No going back to the analogy right. question. All right, you do your thing. I'll, 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 I'm going to answer a couple messages. Yeah, yeah, that's good though. Um, to 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 say what a biology biologist does is you can do everything with it. <laughs> that's the good answer. But then you also have to figure out eventually on the way where you want to go. And this is with me. I always followed my interests. I was not a person who liked to stay in the laboratory. I actually hated it to be with all that chemist chemistry and all the chemicals around me. I was very tap. Oh, is that tapsy? No, like sorry, what tippy? How you say that when you are mm, when you let things fall and all that. I didn't listen. <laughs> I'm answering questions. So, what was the context? The, the, I I just looking for an English word for being um, tapsy. When you let things fall and stuff, and you're a little tipsy. Tipsy? Are you talking about being drunk? No, <laughs> I wasn't drunk in the laboratory. <laughs> but you know me. You know I I'm very clumsy. Yeah, clumsy. there we go. Is that clumsy? I don't know. Maybe I'm clumsy. It depends on the context, but I, you are a bit clumsy. That's that's. Uh, oh, okay, we'll, then we'll we'll I think probably there. talk about the same thing. Anyways, I just didn't <laughs> like being in a laboratory because I always was afraid that I. So what's the German word for clumsy? Break stuff. Um, ungeschickt. Uh, not really. No. Uh, maybe. <laughs> ungeschickt. We'll think about that. Okay. German and English they don't actually always translate one to not one. Not really. Not not in these contexts. Yeah, but being clumsy in a laboratory where there are a lot of things that can really hurt you and poison you is not Sorry, the best thing. In a laboratory? So, oh, yeah. I heard laboratory. <laughs> laboratory is something very different. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but you know your way around the laboratory. <laughs> All right, good. Not that clumsy in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> that was not nothing for me. You so know, lab also, work. You don't like lab, lab work. work. I don't like lab work. So that was clear for me. I'm not becoming a biochemist. I won't work in the laboratory. I won't be going into the big farmers. That was ne nothing I was attracted to at all. But I really liked animals, always liked animals. And I liked to understand why they behave the way they behave. I actually wanted to become a psychologist first to understand myself because I thought I was a little fucked in the head every time to just see, you know, how I can maybe help myself and then others. I was just very interested also in the human mind and why we behave the way we behave. And it, animals is is not so much different. I mean, we're still animals in many ways. We have a lot of instincts together with them. Also the topic of emotions. Do animals have emotions? That's a huge thing that I was always very interested in. Maybe because I was growing up on a on a farm, I was always in contact with animals. I observed them since I was little and I was just fascinated how that works. So for me, it was clear I will become a behavioral biologist. And there are not so many options in that way. Either you stay in university and academia, you become a scientist with, you know, the whole thing, the PhD, the postdoc, and then you become a professor which I did until the postdoc. And then I realized, no, this is not for me. I don't like the teaching part. I don't like the whole publication part because that what a biologist, behavioral biologist does, like being outside and observing animals is nothing that you do anymore, the higher you come in the whole system. Mm -hmm. So then the other option is if you are in that whole ecolo ecology area, behavioral biology, wild biology, then you can look for jobs in the, in the government or, you know, also foundations, what, what I'm working at the moment, um, where I'm working at the moment in a foundation to support an animal foundation, animal protection and these kind of things. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. And 
yeah, that's, that's the cool thing of being a biologist that at the beginning you really learn everything and then you can decide what is that interests you the most. I think it's with many other studies as well where you think, mm -hmm. well, you know, as a doctor you want to become a doctor for inner medicine or for the brain or whatever, heart surgeon. <laughs> so I think following our interest is the, the best thing to do. And I also have to say that especially with biology, And maybe we are already at that point. I don't know where you know people say, "Well, you're not a really, you're not a real scientist." Well, we'll get we'll get to that. Yeah, okay. we'll get no, to that. Yeah, yeah. So let's let's keep things okay. in, in order. And I also want to say, I just did a quick look up uh, for clumsy in German. The word that I would have said is uh, schwerfällig. Um, well, no, 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 that's not that. But schwerfällig is more like not elegant. It's uh, no, I'm very elegant. She's very elegant. <laughs> <laughs> she's she's very elegant, but uh, you know. <laughs> a little clumsy. I so, always see that. Uh, maybe just to put that in, we have two cats. One is very elegant. The other one is a little less elegant. <laughs> so maybe I'm the little less. Okay. There we go. Yeah, but that that word, I don't know. Uh, ungeschickt. Yeah, I guess that's, yeah, clumsy. I don't know. It doesn't have the same feeling for me, but okay. uh, maybe that's just me. Good. So moving on. We have here... Um, Greenwashing. Let's go through greenwashing okay. a little bit before we sure. go on. And the reason why I say that is because, as I mentioned before, um, our industries now, it's like her industry has so much to do with technology today. Mm. My industry is now having more and more to do with um, this idea of greenwashing, which kind of, to me, it, it's going more into the, the biological world in the sense that like um, everything is becoming environmentally friendly. Mm -hmm. And um, and for this reason, a lot of the tax money and all that stuff is being pushed mm -hmm. into that direction as well. Sustainable. The, that whole garbage. Exactly. All that stuff. And so what I find is, as I say garbage for good reason. Um, here, uh, Jonas says, uh, tollpatschig. Yeah, that's the German word, tolpachi. 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 Would be clumsy? I don't know, actually. <laughs> Jonas can tell us that as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Mm. Uh, yeah, I think that would actually feel uh, more like clumsy to me. Mm. Exactly. Tolpachi. I like that. Good. Um, and so for greenwashing, we have... Um, it, it's, it's, it's like the more... The more we move into that direction, the more I'm starting to see the industry be abused and misrepresented for this whole purpose of greenwashing, mm -hmm. right? And so in my industry, the big thing I've seen is a lot of this LED stuff that's mm -hmm. come out, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, it started off with just a, with the, the television and all that stuff, and then it uh, morphed and it's in the lights and it's everywhere mm. now. And um, then we have the whole motion sensor thing. We talked a little bit about this, I think, in Toilet Talk, one of the episodes <laughs> that we had done a while ago where... Um, I mentioned the amount of times that I've worked in a building where it's like things are just no longer functional because of this drive to become energy efficient and green yeah. is, is to the point where it's, it's, it costs more energy because the solutions and the workarounds that the human has to do in order to make things functional mm -hmm. becomes so, so much more intrusive and worse than it could have ever been. Yeah. And the reason is because the people who, who want to, you know, be part of that whole sustainable movement most of them don't really care. They just realize, wait a minute, this is something that is going on right now. If we want to sell our products and we have to have mm. it somewhere and it's not really their intention because obviously most of these industries, they don't, they haven't 
give a shit from the beginning and <laughs> they they won't give more shit just because it's like something everyone is talking right now mm -hmm. and i can see it you want me to say a little bit about this as my industry or you well uh, before continue? we before we go into to yours the big thing i yeah. wanted to try and explain was is that the greenwashing element is now so predominant in not only my industry uh but in hers as well and you're seeing this in the sense that the way that the money is moving Mm. And the way that um, everything kind of has to do with that. In her industry, she doesn't get grants. They don't get money unless you're involved in some type of greenwashing, you know. Um, or you could elaborate on that better, mm. specifically in the NGO world is, mm. is where I'm actually talking about your industry now because that's where you're mm -hmm. existing uh, for the most part of your time. And then with me, it's the same thing. When a, when a skyscraper, when a building goes up, um, when people buy a, a, a new property and they, 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 you know, they have the opportunity to do things once and do things right. So they assume, let's put all this stuff in there. Mm. And um, it, it's this kind of goes into another part of one of my uh, pet peeves that we're going to talk about later. And that's the, the way that consumers don't know what they're consuming. Mm. All right, but we'll get into that. So, uh, yeah, in my industry with the greenwashing, it's definitely more along the lines of trying to make things appear nice mm. on the surface, whereas mm. realistically, it's anything but that. And I can go into a couple <laughs> ex uh, examples, but let's let's hear it from from your point of view first. Yeah, there's a German saying said "Außen hui, innen fui," which means like <laughs> from the outside it looks amazing, but the inside is just disgusting. Yeah, we we say uh, good from far, but far from good. Yeah, kind of the same. <laughs> right. And it's because there is no real and authentic motivation behind that to really change something. And mm -hmm. I've seen it in many aspects. Like I, my job in, in the foundation is to look for projects that we can incorporate that um, supports bees, right? And, and also like it's just in wild bees, but pollinators in general. And it is such a huge topic right now in Germany because... Obviously, insects are not there anymore. We can see it. And there was a huge study in Germany that showed that 70% of the insect biomass has been gone for a, in, in couple, after a couple of years. Right. So the whole topic is huge and everyone is jumping onto it. So we actually are sitting there getting emails after emails from people who want to say, we want to cooperate with you because you're the Bee Foundation. <laughs> you know, we want to have your name on our industry. And why are bees so important? Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously they're a big part in an ecosystem as a as a pollinator. We're talking about the, the bees. You have mm -hmm. the domesticated honeybees, right? They are, these are not really endangered because they're like our pets, kind of. We take care of them. Yeah, the domesticated version. The domesticated yeah. Yeah, yeah. version. But then you have... A huge variety of different wild bee species in Germany alone, over 560 different species and on a worldwide, way more, yeah. which are a big, big part of the ecosystem service industry. <laughs> I'm going to say that like there are ecosystem service, sir, servicer. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> in... in, in um... I'm not sure how they do things over here, but in North America, it's quite brutal. Um, we rent out the bees, like you have bee companies. Yeah. Uh, and then so you have a monoculture that it has that's doing strawberries. Another yeah. one is doing um, sunflower. Uh, and so what yeah, happens that's, is that's during the summertime, they bring the, the bees down to Florida where they have mm. the strawberries. And then during the wintertime, they, they, they rent out the bees to mm -hmm. another company up mm -hmm. in the north doing sunflower or something yeah. else, right? Yeah. Um, and... and 
that that that's where it's like, yeah, you're right in the sense that we use the bees as a as as a service, uh, you know, as, yeah, as well, a tool. The and it is a very old old kind of like a not tradition, but you know, um, beekeeping. It's a mm-hmm. very old way, like human um, and animal interaction as well. But what I wanted to say is like there's so also a lot of companies and industries um, that are coming to us that are obviously far from being <laughs> you know sustainable and they're just looking for a quick fix to say okay we have to do something image counseling image yeah. because it's also um sub sub um substituted by the government of the money subsidized subsidized yeah. so and then they have money available that they want to invest which is a good thing but also we always have to ask ourselves and we check the background of these mm-hmm. industries to see are we selling our soul to something <laughs> or is that actually an, a mm-hmm. company who are really interested in changing something from the core of their heart and from the core of the system. Yeah. And I just read that Jonas wrote, he has actually some investment projects in, um, in greenwashing. <laughs> things. That is actually another huge area right yeah. now where you can see a lot of investment funds are really focusing on sustainability and there is like the MSC World Sustain called, which is like mm-hmm. an investment fund that only has businesses where... Mm-hmm kind of called green whatever that means like they're not investing into yep. war and and child mm-hmm. labor and these kind of things so the, the, the real question you know the one that always comes to my mind because i know of it in my industry is is it helping it, 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 the first thing i would say in my industry is absolutely not mm. uh, how would you say in your industry does greenwash is, is greenwashing helping anything well i would say with greenwashing it is again. It, it it depends on who is involving itself into it. If it's a mm-hmm. huge company who's just you know giving us a little bit of money so that we can have one project. Well, what's the it's, purpose of yeah, greenwashing? That's, that's the point. What's the purpose of greenwashing? I wouldn't just say it. The word just says it. Yeah. To it's, wash something green means like you are you know you have dirty clothing <laughs> and you want to <laughs> make look it nice or make it look nice. Mm-hmm. You know maybe you have a. I would say like you have a t-shirt that was made by, you know, child child labor from China mm-hmm. and now everyone is complaining about this that you didn't care and now you just put it into the, the green. You just you just changed the label but the <laughs> the shirt is yeah. still from well, China. To, to me obviously the first word that comes out of it is brainwashing and obviously now greenwashing to me kind mm-hmm. of more sh- uh, means um your brain you're washing someone's brain until it's green, right? <laughs> and it's and it's to me it's more the yeah. Uh, yeah, like we say here, it's just a trend. And, yeah. and that's the thing is that I know uh, in, in my industry, it's caused way more damage than anything because I think that real change comes from um, a truthful want yeah. to uh, to change. And and that, mm. that, that's kind of like it's it's more of a spiritual philosophy as well yeah. in the sense that you can't help someone who doesn't want to help themselves. It's, and, it starts with the individual. It really starts with yeah. you and yourself and your relation to to everything that is around you. I mean, if you sit down every morning in the nature and you recon and like really connect with everything that is around you, that mm-hmm. you feel being part of it, like this is the real thing that everyone should learn in school, that everyone should do. Like I also right now I'm struggling a little bit with the purpose of our <laughs> foundation because yes, we have projects where you would consider this is important you know we are involved in law law stuff to reduce pesticides mm-hmm. stuff on on the fields 
But and that's yet, been sorry. It's that's been a really great success. Madeline's yeah. uh, NGO was solely responsible for keeping Monsanto at least at bay for quite some time. Mm. Um, in regards to it was modified corn that they tried to bring into Germany, and then yeah, uh, yeah. and then your uh, the the leader in your organization before you came in, he stepped yep. up to the plate and said, uh, and brought it to the to the to what we have over here, mm. which is like a federal court. Right. But this is exactly this. I mean, if you, you know, you can stop Monsanto maybe for a little bit of time, but obviously yeah. they're a strong force. And why is that so? Because the people who are leading that company, obviously there is no connection for them mm -hmm. to their environment. Otherwise they wouldn't have these crazy ideas. <laughs> yep. And this is the main purpose and the main point. I think as long as we, we don't change like this, this aspect that, People are realizing we are part of nature and it, it's not helping to put a lot of chemicals out there to create a natural, uh, an unnatural ecosystem to produce um, food. But instead, everyone should go and have their own gardens to learn how to grow your own food and have to have that connection to, to, the, to nature and mm -hmm. plants and how everything works. And this is a big yeah. thing too. I don't know if you know this. I'm sure you do already. But Monsanto has merged yeah. or bought out um, Baya. Uh, yep. I'm not sure which one it is. If Baya bought Monsanto or Monsanto bought Baya, but now you have uh, the the world leading producers of pesticides and uh, genetic modified food is also now in bed with one of the largest with the largest drug co drug company yeah. on the planet, Baya. There you go. Um, and so it's it's so now you actually start to see that like. Look, like let's just take your 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 mm -hmm. your industry as an example. Um, if you were to go out and spend your time actually educating children, mm -hmm. says here, Baya bought Monsanto. Yeah. Uh, if you were to go out and educate children mm -hmm. and people mm -hmm. and try to 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 help people really see and understand that biology and reality and nature and it's all the same, mm -hmm. right? You know, to build that connection to reality, to maybe even help people um, understand how to be more self-sustainable yeah. in their own life. Uh, that to me is, yeah. is, is the biggest step, I think, towards uh, any type of real change. And yet, what does it really help to have Monsanto or, or Baya give a company like yours money mm -hmm. so that they can put your logo on their fucking products yeah, but so that going, people can say that this product is bee friendly you know yeah, like yeah, it, yeah. Does, how does that actually help it, anybody it's just like you know putting a little um what's that if you have a wound and just fixing it quick you know it's, mm -hmm. it is nothing nothing really changing on a long term because th there's a different motivation behind it they're not interested in changing the world and, and saving the bees <laughs> they're just <laughs> interested in having a good image that's what it is and and this is what uh, Felminator Fel yeah. Fel is Fel saying Fel right now is saying <laughs> that uh, a pet peeve of hers is uh, when there's a self-serving delusional yeah. entitlement Absolutely. and not a form of genuine uh, not in a genuine place and, yeah. and I think that what she's really meaning by that is what we're saying in the sense that okay um yeah, you'll make a lot of money by mm -hmm. selling your logo and your brand mm -hmm. to large companies who could then, just like when you go out and buy toilet paper yep. and it says WWF on the side of it. You know, what does that really mean to the consumer? The consumer mm -hmm. only sees a logo. It's 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 It mm -hmm. might as well be Nike. You know, it doesn't actually mean anything on a deep level because it's not actually it's not actually educating people. Yeah. It's not actually helping people with their life in the sense that, you know, Mm. What like there, there's no there's no real knowledge that's gained mm -hmm. from that except for the fact that uh, there was more ink used to put it down and someone's <laughs> getting money. Well, right? but I still would say there's a difference between Nike and WWF. <laughs> Regardless, that's, that's that's not the point. The point to me that I'm getting at is is the uh, 
um, when everything becomes a form of consumerism, mm -hmm. yeah, right, yeah, yeah. then how real is the connection to anything afterwards? Well, it's, 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 and, and over here, I, I say, coming from North America to Europe, um, uh, brand loyalty over here is mm -hmm. on a different level. It's like, different. Now. Like people here have never even heard the fact that most of the companies that they buy into uh, with the, the with the logos and all that stuff have been. So sued and fined mm -hmm. and penalized all over the world for antitrust, you know, and you could take any company. I think it was yeah. like LG back in the day, like we're talking like way back when, when you used to buy. Okay. For all of you guys out there, we're going back to the nineties now. Um, <laughs> You used to buy Start the DeLorean. Yeah, exactly. Or well, maybe early 2000s. You used <laughs> to buy like packs of like 100 or 500 CDs, like blank CDs. Mm. And you'd burn information onto them, like burning CDs. And uh, before that, we had the floppy disks, right? <laughs> exactly. When the CDs first came out, I believe it was LG. So if I'm shitting on the wrong company, whatever. They're, you know, it, it, like ethics, in my opinion, when we're talking about company like this doesn't concern me. Um as far as my opinion of them. And um, the CDs that they had made for everybody to put into their computer and burn their information mm -hmm, on and use mm -hmm. it, we're talking, I, I, I can't even guess, but like maybe like a billion CDs mm. worldwide were produced with a Trojan on them mm. that came directly from the factory in order to harvest information mm. from all the people. Like this is the beginning of data mining. Right. Mm. And I remember when that came out, they were penalized with a huge antitrust uh, penalty. And it was just, you know, business as usual, because, you know, even no. back then, I don't think that anybody really knew how powerful that data really could be. You mm. know, uh, and, and today it's just common practice. You know, nowadays, no. every time you go to a website, you have to click on it, you accept all the cookies and all Ugh. this bullshit. And it's, <laughs> and it's like it's, it's, it's to the point where it's 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 so much more annoying Mm -hmm. Right to constantly go through that, it's, it's the same thing as in the food industry. I mm -hmm. would say that only food that's poisoned should be labeled, not yeah. the other way around. Whereas yeah. instead, you go to the food and you have all these food, these labels that say, "I organic, have no GMOs. Organic. This is organic. Yeah. This the, didn't harm the bees." And WWF. Yeah, and I'm thinking an inversion. No? It's an inversion, mm -hmm. right? Anyway, so I'm getting off topic, but um, yeah, I wanted to actually say something more about the the part from the greenwashing to round that up. So. Again, you know, even within these kind of foundations that I, I'm working it and also I'm seeing it with other foundations, there is also a lot of sometimes different motivations behind that. You know, you have someone who founded that whole foundation because he or she wants to be, be seen more as a very good person, especially with the whole um, environmental saving and then all that, because, you know, someone who wants to save the environment can only be a good person. <laughs> I think there's a lot of egoism, a lot of narcissism, narcissism uh, involved in that whole I was thinking to myself stuff. today, I, I miss in the 90s when it was cool to just not care about anything. <laughs> I do miss that. You know, I, no, I think we're so can. much more relaxed. That, and what kind of movie was that with these two cops uh, where they went back Jump to Jump Street? Yeah, went exactly. back to university. It's like, well, you have to wear your backpack on a one, one yeah, strap. Yeah, one strap, single strap. You are yeah. not interested in anything. And so they come with a huge car and the kid's <laughs> like, don't you care about the environment? And having their backpacks. Yeah, the guy's like, I don't care about anything. <laughs> it's like, what's going on here? Yeah, exactly. Uh, the Offspring had a song back in the 90s called Cool to Hate. Oh, okay. Yeah, I remember that stuff. No. Anyway, so... Anyway, um, so just going back, and I think that, as you said, what really would help, what is not greenwashing, but really empowering people is knowledge, is knowledge about how you connect with yourself, is knowledge about 
maybe uh, other philosophies from you know meditation mm -hmm. how to how to find a place of peace and happiness in your own life and from there you can start you know like making an impact onto the world in a very positive mm -hmm. way but not just out of hatred or out of and you said if you want to have money or gear greed is that greed yeah so these kind of emotions and motivations i think as long as they exist on a high percentage in the in in, in the society we we will wash a lot of clothes green <laughs> <laughs> we'll wash a lot of brains green, yeah eh? all right let's move on to the next topic uh and let's yeah. start with one of yours oh okay. yeah okay so uh, we, we, we actually planned a couple things today. We're not used to this. We're not used to actually being... Uh, we, we, so with this show, we try to keep things as as flowing and spontaneous and in the moment as possible. Mm. So we actually make an effort to not do too much planning. But in this case, we sat down and, and, and for 15 minutes together and made a little list of pet peeves to try and actually make a, a bit of a workflow for today. Mm. Um, so I'm going to just type it in here. What is that one? Uh, I'll type it in and then we'll you'll see. All right. Okay. So here... Maybe maybe you can give me a drum roll. I don't know if this will work. Over I don't here. know how that goes. <laughs> there we go. Uh, ah, yeah, okay. How did we write that? Publishing ah, yeah, yeah, system. Yeah, yes, the publishing system. That's the big one. So that's the big one. So yeah, I mean, if you so we're talking a, about biology now. Which yeah, is, so you guys are. Or, this say. is more the biologist. The biologist realm part here. here. Publish or perish. Yeah. So if you want to become a biologist who wants to work in the university, you have to be aware of the fact that there is one big sentence that will rule everything, and that is publish or perish. <laughs> and this is really something that I didn't know when I started. I thought, you know, I didn't even know what it means to to write a whole PhD and everything involved in it. I didn't know what else to do. So that's how I ended up. I wanted to change something. I wanted to contribute with my research to wildlife protection, animals protection. And that's how I ended up with that urban ecology research. But I had no idea what that actually really means, that I have to publish, <laughs> what that publish means, publishing means. And that almost killed me. I remember how many times I said in front of these manuscripts that I got back from the reviewers of a magazine or a research paper. And I had no idea how to answer these comments. And mm -hmm. I was not even sure what they want from me. <laughs> it was so frustrating. But it's part of that whole system. And maybe just to give you a little outline how it works. So you have your research data, you write it up into a manuscript, and then you find a, a magazine, a research paper, like a paper. Mm -hmm. that, yeah, a journal. Sure, actually, a journal. journal. Yeah, it's a journal. Yeah. Within your field. So for example, with me, it was animal ecology, or it was molecular biology, or nature. You know, that would be the, the big, Big Bang <laughs> you can reach to. And so all these different journals, they have different impact factors. Obviously, nature has a, the highest one. I don't know. It really, it calculates on how often the articles that are mentioned in these research papers are mentioned somewhere else. So mm -hmm. it has to do with the importance of these research articles. And if you want to have a career in science, science, you have to have as many publications as possible in very high-ranking journals. And so you write up your paper, your manuscript, and you send it. You think like, oh, I did a really cool research. You know, I found out mm -hmm. the coolest stuff. So I send it to the highest to the highest journal within my field. And then you wait 
mostly like you wait sometimes half a year before you get any responses because the people that are running these magazines, there are also scientists. They do it on the side mostly. You have the editors and then you have the reviewers who are looking at your manuscript. These people are, at least the reviewers, are not paid. I don't know about the editors, but the reviewers are not paid. But this is a general thing. This isn't just a couple of magazines you're no, talking about. No, it's a general thing. Yeah, yeah, that's general. All throughout all the pol- I think yeah. that's a big thing because, you know, a lot of people, we, we you hear all the time on TV, a study was done. A statistic yeah. has shown. Yeah, yeah. Where does this information come from <laughs> and, and who's calling it up and, and how do you get access to it? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, this is nothing that you can just do by yourself if you don't if you don't know where to look for it. Even for me as a, sci- a scientist for I don't know how many years I'm like doing this now, 15 years, 10 years, I still sometimes stay. It's like, I don't know. If they, I, I don't think what they, they've done here doesn't make any sense. <laughs> you know, it's like it, it, it's just a very sh- a small uh, study side uh, study size, and it doesn't really fit to the statistics they did. So you don't know if these studies are actually really valuable. And that's also what I experienced in my research mm-hmm. that you get the manuscripts back, and sometimes I had the impression that the reviewers haven't even read it. No. Yeah, I, I went, saw the same thing. With they you, went yeah. through it and then they made a couple comments and they asked questions where I thought like, well, obviously they haven't read the whole thing because then they wouldn't have had that question. And also sometimes I got different comments on the same manuscript, like totally opposite thing. One yeah. said, this is amazing, perfect, perfect statistics. And the other guy says like, this is the, the worst crap I've ever read. <laughs> And then you're like, okay, well, how can that be? Obviously, well, it's very let, Let's talk uh, a little bit subjective. about uh, a couple of your experiences, because yeah. I, I know I've heard them all uh, from you anyway. At least uh, <laughs> back when she was oh. doing a lot more publishing work, it was just like pulling teeth the oh. whole time, right? Yeah, yeah. And a couple of things that she had to share with me that... Um, oh, we got mosquitoes in here. Oh. Uh, that she shared with me that uh, sound pretty interesting. Is first off, um, who has access to the papers mm-hmm. and, the, and, and the journals? people who have paid for the subscription. Well, yeah, but it also had changed a little bit in the past because mm-hmm. usually it's like that you you have to you, yeah you have to buy that the journal just when you go to the to the magazine store or right to, sure. to buy the magazine and sure to read but the how, 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 like these subscriptions are like thousands a month sometimes it's a lot and it's, that's it's, why it's, usually it's a stupid amount of money yeah. and so what happens is is the universities yeah. from what you've told me yeah. subscribe to only a couple of them not all you can't nobody can subscribe to all of them well basically the no ones. actually. Well, yeah, but what I've seen when I look to the different um, access magazines mm-hmm. from the universities, they had tons and thousands yep. of them. I think, you know, they have maybe also reduced cost to well, the, to have it. The but, point that I'm getting at is that yeah. um, countries are all countries all over the world are publishing to different journals, and it, and 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 it, it's not like there's a central database uh, saying that this has been published. Meaning that if if you go to research something, mm-hmm. the first thing you're going to find out is has somebody else. Or you're going to try and look and find out if somebody else has also researched this, and you can't necessarily say that that's been done or not because you don't have access to all the journals. Um, you, just don't, you just don't. Well, kind of. But first of all, you have to be part of the university, that's, obviously. That, you, know? well, you go into the if university. If you want the big subscriptions. Yeah, yes. if you want the big subscriptions, if you want to see. But nowadays also, there is Google Scholar, which I actually really like. <laughs> not making too more and more I've seen with that, but, like most of the, 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 the papers that I find on Google Scholar, um, they only show you the, 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 the outline 
And then yeah. you have to pay to actually see the whole thing. Yeah, that's. But this is part of it, you know. This is actually how it works. So you have the arti the articles. You can see them and you can look for them and search for them. Mm -hmm. But then most of them, you need an access to the university to really read the whole thing. But then they started doing the so-called online, like the um, uh, open access. Mm -hmm. Open access is that you, as an author, you pay the journal. Around yeah. 1,300, 1,500 euros to publish, to publish it openly. So yeah. everyone can access it, but you have to have that money. <laughs> so And sometimes and the university will help you with that and sometimes mostly, not. Mostly they, they have they have like a pot of money for that kind of stuff. And right? this goes so, to the other big one. The big yeah. scary one is how often universities try to pay scientists to publish their work for them and by putting their university and their students' names on the paper. Mm. So why don't you explain a little bit about that? So you mean like what from the institutions that... Well, what had happened with you is that uh, you, uh, the the your doctor father, they call them over here, uh, <laughs> the person uh, supervising her, mm -hmm. her PhD study, yeah. um, he had taken a position up in China, uh, from what I understand. And mm -hmm. he was constantly trying to get um, that university that he was in tandem with in China on Madeline's publications, even mm -hmm. though they had nothing to do with it. And then mm -hmm. he would say things like, um, allow the university's uh, stamp on your publication and maybe a couple of these names. And not only will they pay for the open access, but they'll also give you money or something like that. Yeah, it was a, a whole weird <laughs> story behind that. And I really don't like to think back. It was, um, yeah, not, not very nice. But basically it was like that, that... Mm -hmm. Of course, on universities, they also feed on the numbers of publications their scientists produce, and as as more and the more often call it science washing. Are, <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah. The more often there are named on the publications, and you know, all that's also the, publisher sh perish. shows the quality of university and an institution. Mm -hmm. That's why they try to you know they try to find all these great little uh, german yeah. scientists and try to bribe them into putting <laughs> their stamp on the publications yeah i i just i don't want to go into much detail with that but it's just i think the people want to hear you go into detail about that so I, I found that to be very fascinating it's when i first heard huge... that it was it, it just it's, it, it's internal corruption and the rest of yeah, the world has was, no idea this is going on that when you're reading a paper and it says brought to you by this and this and this university usually it's just like one student that has done all the work <laughs> and everybody else is trying to race to get their stamp on it right yeah i mean at least from what i've seen i don't know it's also a couple of years ago that i've been part of that whole I'd stuff i'd say it got worse <laughs> probably <laughs> right? from the, the shit that i've been reading recently in the way that things i've seen being published yeah. it's, it's i don't know i've, I've yeah. always been interested in reading papers and so i actually for a lot of the stuff that i do i go out and i really always look into i try to find original source material and i just mm -hmm. i can't believe how often things are not represented the mm -hmm. way that uh they're yeah. portrayed. Just let it put that way. I'm really happy that I'm out of that whole <laughs> system, that I'm not part of it anymore. Mm -hmm. I can still, you know, I still have data from my rabbits and I can still publish them if I want to. I just need to find someone who's actually part of university and we can collaborate and say, you know what, I, I'm not back and I don't want to go back into the statistics. Can you do it for me? And then I'll put right. you on the paper as well. So we share the work. But it's just something that I can do as a hobby, but not something that I have to do anymore. All right. Yeah. All right. So we're going to get into one of my pet peeves in my yep. industry now. And uh, I don't know if this one exists in yours as well. There we go. Look at that. 
Mine, a big one is mine. <laughs> customers living on site. Not haven't seen so that yet. So you, you, you don't have a problem with students and professors sleeping on site all the time? Oh, actually, actually. <laughs> <laughs> See, I knew it. I, I knew this wouldn't be exclusive to mine. No, it's true. And to the point where it's a problem. <laughs> right? Okay. Uh, so, you can start on that. Yeah, exactly. Let me uh, let me mute this one out for a second. Um, okay, so what I'm talking about is in my industry, what often happens is, is a house, a building, um, something is being built. So it is officially a job site. It's not, oops, I can move this That's around. That's me. There we go. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's a job site. Right. This this means that there's a sign out front where um, everybody knows this is a job site. Uh, the government is aware that this is a job site. It's and that means that on site you have certain rules and regulations like mm. hard hats, steel toes, um, safety gear, all that kind of stuff. Right. And then you get some Almost. asshole with his Gucci shoes coming in, <laughs> trying to tell everybody where what to do and where to do it because he needs to clear a corner out so that he can start bringing in his trophies. And <laughs> it, it's 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 unbelievably frustrating because then they start telling you I want you to finish that part of the house first and then I go to them and I try to tell them um, no we do the whole thing at once we don't do things in parts and he says well I want it done this way or, I'll, or you're fired and and it happens mm. The uh, recently I've worked on a couple sites where they've gone through dozens of contractors because the contractors didn't do the work the way that they wanted and um, I've seen customers divorce because they move on to a site thinking it's going to be more cost effective. Mm. And so they think in their mind, I've just spent $10 million on a, on, a, on, a, on this on this uh, mansion with, with all this great technology. Uh, I don't want to waste any more money by living somewhere else. Mm. And then my initial response, which is why I'm usually not welcome to a lot of the meetings when this becomes a topic, <laughs> is cry me a river and next time buy a house for $9 million instead, mm. right? And, and with that $1 million, you can uh, you could afford your electricity bill. Because that's another thing that a lot of these people tend to complain mm. about. They, they buy these extravagant places and they complain about uh, <laughs> the costs. Like to that. everybody else who's just working mostly like for above minimum wage, right? Mm. And uh, so customers and then after that have to actually pay more into the the divo divorce money. <laughs> well, yeah. So the, it's, it's so that was expensive. actually a funny thing was that um, the uh, it's, I've seen it happen a few times where husband and wife move on to the job site before it's finished, and mm. for some reason here in Germany nobody cares about that. In 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 North America, if the customers moved on to the job site before that sign was taken down by mm. the city and said this is no longer a job site it's it's a big problem where mm. i come from you can't do that the, the city will walk into the job site to inspect it randomly mm. and if they see the customer there without hard hat or mm. uh, um work <laughs> shoes they'll kick out the customer from his own home mm. and fine him for 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 doing stupid things just picture you know you All are right? like with your coffee in the morning and your pajamas and then you have the helmet on and the shoes <laughs> well it depends on the job site because typically once the once the like the roof is on and and all that that the stuff that could fall on your head is no longer an issue, then it just becomes hard shoes uh, and what or safety <laughs> shoes in the sense that like if you're an electrician, obviously they have to be have certain soles and stuff like that. Mm. And um, it, this also goes to a big thing. Uh, like for me here in um, in Europe, it, it seems to me that nobody's running the show. Mm. And and I say that because in North America, you have um, typically a very clear chain of command. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, you have the, the, the building super, you have um, the managers, you have the architects, everybody has their their thing. You know, often houses are built by um, home builders, mm -hmm. whereas over here, the customer buys the home and just hires all the different tradesmen separately who've never worked hmm. together and they just have to get along. And there's nobody here coordinating 
who comes and does what when. And it's, it's like and it's, not with a wedding planner having a house planner. <laughs> it's it's unbelievably frustrating. And so yeah. I was I was always um, shocked to see that it's 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 like being in you know Peter Pan's Neverland over here on a job site <laughs> where you have all these fucking kids and monkeys hanging from everything trying to get things done and and they're stepping on each other's toes and everything has to get done three or four times because there's no coordination between mm -hmm. the tradesmen. Um, recently, I, I I worked at a job in Switzerland where in Switzerland it's like North America. There's a very clear chain of command. Mm -hmm. They will look at the people doing the drywall and say. You have this is your window to do the job mm. because when you're done, we're going to get the floor people in, mm. and the floor people aren't there at the same time. Where here in Germany, <laughs> it, at least in North Germany, it's, it's, it's also a thing. North Germany is pretty much just a different country. Hmm. Um, Didn't know that. It, yeah, oh yeah, you go down to Munich, and these rules are are very okay. different too. Um, so you go to in North Germany, and it, it's it's that it's just it's absolute insanity. You have every tradesman on the job site at the same time trying to get everything done, and the customer is in this one little clean area in the corner that he has deemed to be his living quarters. <laughs> that all of a sudden, you know, you have to constantly walk through to get somewhere, and then the <laughs> wife is crying because she has no privacy, and uh, and this is where that, that stress comes into play. Yeah, where yeah. all of a sudden, a Absolutely. job that could have been done in two months is going to take seven months now. Mm. And the wife is crying about it the whole time, and it's 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 very you know it's very un uncomfortable as a tradesman to be there the whole time yeah. because you're always you're trying to get work done, and this is your job site, this is your work area, mm. and you have to trip over people and their garbage. So anyway, customers living on site. So how about how about, how about you with in the biology world? Uh, how is that sometimes an issue? Well, just <laughs> thinking about it. Obviously, maybe, it's not maybe customers isn't the right thing in biology, but yeah. it, but it's definitely the professors and the students living on a site. Well, more literally, like I was living on a site at university, and many times because I at the beginning I couldn't find an um, apartment in in Frankfurt, mm -hmm. so I actually kind of lived in university a little bit, <laughs> sleeping over, and also when I was leaving Frankfurt and I came back a couple of times because I had to finish some research, that I was sometimes sleeping on a table in, in the office of some of the PhD students. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that was kind of living on site. But I think you rather would talk about the interactions be between some professors and the students. That, that, that would... Oh, okay, yeah. So. Well, what are, you, what are you talking well, about? Well, I'm saying... <laughs> yeah, well, no, but you're right in the sense that you're trying to get work done and somebody who shouldn't be there is living there. And 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 that's that's like I said for me I've I've seen uh, tradesmen sleep on site specifically mm -hmm. on the 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 bigger buildings the skyscrapers yep. and that's okay I yep. think that I think it actually it doesn't bother me at all you mm -hmm. know if someone wants to is okay with sleeping in a dusty environment and they work there and yeah I don't have a big issue with it so long as they're not inconveniencing someone else when the customer moves in on site he starts micromanaging everything mm -hmm. and he doesn't understand any of it and and then you just have to try and explain to him why things need to be done a certain way mm -hmm. and he starts questioning your expertise and doesn't understand any of it and doesn't understand that he's the hindrance that is making everything last mm -hmm. and take so long sounds a little bit like the relationship between doctor supervisors and a PhD students well, explain, sometimes. Explain, explain that a little sometimes. bit. Sometimes. Well, I, you know, I really don't want to shit on anyone in, in my business. No, <laughs> I don't like that. <laughs> I'm a very positive person. I think at the end, it's always your decision if you want to be part of a situation or you don't. If you don't like the things that are happening around you, then you can always leave. But I would have to say back then, 
I was, you know, especially in, in that situation where you are supervised by someone and you are already in the middle of your PhD or even, you know, with the master thesis, you have to finish it somehow. And I have to say, and I have to, I've, I've seen it as well. Sometimes there are situations where students went over the limits in order to please their supervisors in an unhealthy way. And I would say they were also, they felt maybe trapped. They had to, to do what, you know, the, the supervisor asked them in order to get their degree. Mm -hmm. So that maybe was something that I didn't like with that whole system, that there is a lot of codependency between the supervisors and the the PhD students, also sometimes the postdocs or the, the students as well, right? Yeah. And that no one also sometimes wanted to say something because they were afraid of, you know, like getting kicked out of the university and even if there was a situation between maybe a student and a professor that was not appropriate yeah so these kind of things okay yeah yeah and i would say that uh, that's it also kind of is the same thing to me is you know um when a customer is living on a on a job site mm. micromanaging something that he has nothing no knowledge about it's very inappropriate mm. and i think that that's that's kind of like the line that i'll draw there that's uh it's just yeah work etiquette is often overlooked and that's one of my pet also peeps. also the respect i would say um to other people like you know is a very hierarchical system in the university you have the okay. professor you have the postdocs the phds then you have the technical assistants mm -hmm. and well in my group it was actually pretty nice because i always felt there is a very open and you know the, the hierarchies are pretty open but i've seen others where it was pretty clear who okay. had the last words and you know yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I, i've i've heard unfortunately um over over here you have a lot of eastern european um trying to come to germany to get uh, it's kind of like what madeline was saying earlier is that a, a, a university is known by its reputation mm -hmm. there are actually quite a few great schools in eastern europe but a lot of them will come here because they want to sh they want to have that on their cv on their resume that yeah. they studied and um have an affiliation with a german university even though it doesn't actually mean anything for them mm. right on that level uh so anyway, yeah. um, let's move okay. on. I have the next topic here, and this is one for you. And um, I wrote it down in German because actually I really like the word. <laughs> we can try and translate it properly. Blümchenzähler. <laughs> Blümchenzähler. <laughs> yeah. So Someone who's counting flowers. There you go. So flower counter. Flower counter. So why is that a pet peeve for you? <laughs> when someone looks at you and says you're a flower counter. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, when you are studying biology... If you meet mathematicians, mathematicians, physicists, or chemists, then or you know they ask you, you at the beginning you sit actually kind of in the same, in the same courses with them. You know you have the mathematics and the chemists, chemist stuff and Chemistry, the, yeah. the, the um, physics as a biologist. So you have to have them all. You learn them all. So you meet all these people and then they ask you, oh, what are you studying? I said I am a biologist. You know, I'm really happy. And it's like ah. You're one of the cheap you scientists. Know, scientists. <laughs> you're one of those flower counters. <laughs> and so it's clear that, you know, we are the ones who are not so smart with math mathematics and chemistry and physics, but only want to work with animals and plants. And uh, <laughs> that I actually seen a lot of times. And with at least with me, I have to say a little bit true that I didn't like chemistry and I also didn't understand most of it. <laughs> 
but it, well, it it got better because I was so interested in in nature and animals and plants that eventually I really sat down to understand the chemist part of it. Mm -hmm. And then when I got that interest, it got, it got better. Yeah. So whereas with mathematics, I never really understood why I have to. You know, what has that to do with, with biology? Later on, when we started more the statistics, then I realized, okay, now I get it, why we have to understand yeah. that when you want to plan a study, you have to have knowledge about statistical analysis, how you plan things mm -hmm. and then how you anal uh, analyze well, you've, it You've even shared with me and um, in other episodes and other shows as mm -hmm. well, I don't know actually in this one if you've talked about this, and that is how often today it's very standard practice that a biologist... Um, will never even see field work. And instead, she has computer work and she's yeah. crunching numbers and working with statistics 90% of her job. Yeah, I mean, it really depends on which part you are mm -hmm. in, in, in biology, but most of the stuff, for example, population genetics... You don't see anything of the stuff that you are analyzing, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we had like a couple research in our research group from elephants from Africa. You just they were just like a little tube and there was the, the DNA the solution. There was the DNA and then the elephant in that little tube. So the student who worked with it never saw an elephant in her whole life, but she was really deep into the gen genetics, mm -hmm. running the, the simulations and the results through the computer all day long. And mm -hmm. so she was sitting in a laboratory the whole day. Yeah, so, uh, completely detached from reality. Absolutely. It's yeah. a really detached. But also I have to say, I mean, these methods are also really cool to answer certain questions like I did with the with the rabbits really had a look on the genetics of the urban and rural, rural rabbits. I didn't do the lab work because I didn't like it. <laughs> I found someone who, who So you took to the samples it. and gave them to someone who sat in front of a computer. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And and they liked it, you know. She was more like, oh, "Okay, I really like just being in a lab doing that repetitive work." Yeah. And I was just like, "Okay, if you like that, then go for it." <laughs> I don't. Yeah. <laughs> so, but also I guess it's important to know what you want and what you don't want. And yeah, I, I never really, I never really cared that people said, you know, you're not a real scientist because you're a biologist and you're just observing. And obviously, this is doesn't need a lot of brain intelligence <laughs> to observe well, an animal. What what you've alluded to before in the past with me, anyway, in private yeah. is more how it, it it's a bit frustrating that most uh, other fields, uh, specifically even MDs, mm -hmm. um, they don't understand how diverse your field really Probably, is. Probably, yeah. You know, is a lot of them assume that you're just out there counting flowers. <laughs> but really, as you've mentioned, you you, did, you, you have a background in, uh, <laughs> you have a background in um, in chemistry, you have yeah. a background in physics, you have yeah. a background in statistics, you have a background in mathematics, you have a background in not only animal bodies, the human body, yeah. and all of that stuff Everything. put together. And it's cool because sometimes when we talk, <laughs> she'll even... Like when we're talking about human physiology, she knows a lot about human physiology, but then she starts comparing it to other animals. Uh, a good example the other day was she was talking about the appendix. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and she was explaining to me how the appendix in a, in a herbivore is a, has a completely different uh, process. Like, I mean, mm -hmm. the, the process of, of, of the way that it functions and the way that it actually um, – filters and and um you could explain it maybe a little more than i can i'll let you do that right now <laughs> yeah but maybe not to go into too much on a sidetrack but i think yeah i can so <laughs> with the rabbits for example you know they're vegetarian and if you only eat grass uh, it takes you a lot of energy to just digest digest the stuff and it's not getting a lot of energy out of it mm -hmm. so just like as a cow 
or the the yeah like a cow they have bacteria in their stomach and the bacteria in the rabbits actually in the in their um what's the the english word but 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 the, the appendix it's <laughs> the it's, appendix it's, well <laughs> there are two parts of the appendix you have yeah. the little that little tail thing that in english yeah. we call it the appendix it's the cecum in cecum the ce yeah the cecum Se is the cecum? big is the big part uh before the actual appendix where in in, yeah. in germany it's actually called the larger appendix i believe yeah Großblinddarm and uh, something like that anyway Wurmfortsatz yeah <laughs> yeah exactly exactly so the area before the little wormy thing the wormy thing <laughs> so and, and with rabbits that part is huge it makes cows it makes that, yeah. a, like a huge part of it because there are all the bacteria in it and they help the rabbits to digest the grasses and the herbs and so the rabbit shits it out <laughs> and it starts eating that that part of the his feces in order to get all the vitamins and the minerals back from the mm -hmm. bacteria breaking down the grass and I just find that amazing how these systems evolved in nature yeah. and this is actually something that I always liked studying and being a biologist or becoming a biologist that was actually also I was first thinking maybe I should become uh, or should study veterinary science oh, sorry my hair is kind of falling off here <laughs> <laughs> and then I realized I don't want to stay in a in a sterile environment the whole day having to you know talk to people who maybe treat their animals like shit and maybe yeah you can help them on one level but also obviously you're just not really changing the causes sometimes well a lot of actual veterinarians and this is something that a lot of people don't really know but most veterinarians don't actually work with uh, pets they work with um, yeah. large um, um Farm animals, like farm in, animals, the, in like, the industry. Yeah. Exactly. So, so they're responsible for, example, a couple yeah. farms uh, to keep the chickens healthy enough to live to the slaughterhouse and uh, yeah, the well, cows and so on and so forth. Obviously so. not something I wanted to uh, be part of, <laughs> but rather do something that these kind of systems yeah. are not longer existing, right? Yeah. Um, so then I realized I would really just like to know everything that we know right now about biology. And that's why I was motivated to like just run through all these books i don't know how many books mm -hmm. i read them, uh, but i think i just i just loved it i really yeah. loved it well, i still to i found day. it interesting that um when we were talking about the appendix uh, when you talk to most mds they'll tell you that they don't really most mds don't understand that the appendix has a f function in the human mm. body anymore which is why it's so easy to chop it up when uh, when it gets inflamed and mm. and, and uh, swollen where and then when madeline was telling me she's like no the appendix in the herbivore is is a very very important part of their <laughs> body and and maybe this is a big reason why why we as omnivores, um, we have such a small section um, for yeah, for for the appendix so and anymore. the surrounding area, the cecum. Mm. So I found that to be very fascinating. Just a little side note. Yeah, all these cool things that we exactly. learned. But and she doesn't exactly. know that this stuff is like you know that 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 she looks at this knowledge that she has and ha doesn't realize that the average person has no idea of this <laughs> kind of stuff. In her mind, it's all you know common sense. Yeah, because I just you know for many many years I I studied it. But this is really something that I learned from that experience of um, my education mm -hmm. that I just had the time and the resources to plow through all these data all this all this knowledge and I just put it into my head <laughs> yeah. and it's still there because I was repeating it so many times so often so often so I'm wondering sometimes that it's still there sometimes when someone says a word and it's like crazy oh, wait a minute I know about this <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> 
So yeah. uh, let's go on to the next topic. Okay. Um, and for those of you listening right now, we have now hit the ooh, one hour and almost Woo! 15 minutes. Look at that. Um, Lots to say today. Yeah, really, huh? <laughs> um, so I want to talk about planning. That's my next big pet fee. Okay. But before we get into that, I did have to say to all of you guys listening out there, we are live on Rockfin Rumble, Twitch, DLive, and Telegram. The chat for DLive and Twitch, they are both integrated, mm. meaning that when you ask a question or say something nice, I can pop it up on screen <laughs> over here. Say something nice, but only if you say something nice. Yeah, you can say whatever you want. I'll, I'll, <laughs> actually, I'll, even if you want to say horrible things, I'll probably post it too. I'm, I'm, I'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we, we take all, all, we take all uh, pieces of information over here. <laughs> there is no so, such thing as good or bad. As what? There is no such thing as good or bad. We only make it so. There we go. So, Shakespeare, um, I think. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Rockfin and Rumble, we are monitoring the chats over here. So any of you guys out there listening to us live on Rockfin or Rumble, we will post the comments online to a degree. We'll be able to uh, share our screen by pushing this button over here. <laughs> and then we can explain, we can show the chats how they're, uh, how they're looking and how they're doing and so on and so forth. So... That being said, as I mentioned, Rockfin Rumble, Twitch, DLive, Telegram, for all of you guys out there who want to uh, interact a little bit more with the show, I find mm -hmm. that the Telegram chat is probably one of the better ways of doing mm -hmm. it because when we go live, I always write in there, we are going live at this time and I do it always on the day of. So you guys get a bit of that direct um, warning from us that we're going to go live. <laughs> warning. Warning, exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, and... It's 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 cool because even if you guys out there want to suggest any shows, any topics, um, anything like that, you can post the questions into the Telegram hmm. chat. Smart Home Stupid Chat is is the name of the Telegram chat, <laughs> right? And it's associated to our Smart Home Stupid People um, channel. Mm. There we go. Okay. All right. So moving yeah. on. I had, to, I had to I had to you know plug that. So um, you, you plugged that. There we go. Thank you. Plucked, I plugged plucked it really well. That. <laughs> um, pet peeve planning. I would say that this goes in uh, both industries. Now, in my industry, I don't have that issue of being called a flower counter, so I'm just going to step over How that. are you called? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's funny. Um, you know, it, it, it would actually go more in towards, in, in the second, in, in, in my next pet peeve after planning, and it has a lot more to do with uninformed people, uninformed customers, not mm -hmm. knowing what the hell it is that they're mm -hmm. putting their money out for. And, and for that reason, they just don't understand what it is that I do. Right, like at all, and and they're they're the ones hiring me. That's that's usually often a problem. <laughs> so that's usually anyway. So uh, we'll get into that one. But planning to me is huge, and I say this because um, living in northeast Germany, we have this problem where German labor is very expensive. Mm. We have this problem where running a German company is very expensive. Mm. We have. Heavy insurances. Um, there are all these regulations. Yeah, I, yeah. And I don't think. That, I think that people who move to Germany are always taken by surprise as to how much paperwork needs to happen here. Like the bureaucracy over here. If any of you guys have seen um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy or read the book, <laughs> the Germans are the Vogons. I mean, it's 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 that simple. The uh, the, mm. the 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 writers clearly took their inspiration <laughs> from German. Yeah, people. It's we don't look like that, but uh, they they have the worst poetry. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, that's not true. We have a lot of good poets. Traditional. I haven't I haven't heard anything. Well, I'll show you. Later. I remember a friend of mine was like uh, tongue in cheek saying, uh, 
what the hell is Rammstein always singing about? I bet it's about something gay like flowers and stuff. And I said, actually, they have that that, that song, Du riecht so gut. You know, and the video is them smelling flowers. So anyway, the point is, is that uh, I think that German sounds a lot more harsh than it really is. But often, you know, the German people are puppy dogs. You know, they, 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 they're, they're not as brutal and as, uh, as offensive as the rest of the world thinks them to be. Mm. I think that the Germans are actually one of the more kinder civilizations that I've come across. They have their problems. Every civilization does. But the German people, uh, they're they're a very polite people mm. in contrast. I mean, they're not English polite, <laughs> but but they're definitely up there with as far as politeness is concerned, I would mm -hmm. say. So counterintuitive. And some people who live here might say something different, but uh, travel the world a bit and you'll, uh, you'll, you'll see what I'm talking about. Mm. Um, planning. Planning to me is interesting because, as I mentioned, a lot of people assume that Germans are, you know, with that uh, background of uh, of, of um, building so many amazing machines and so on and so forth, that they'd be good at planning. They're not. They're really <laughs> bad. And maybe maybe it's more of a Northeast Germany thing. Um, and I say that, and as I mentioned before, Germany is a very expensive place to um, start a business and and, and um I'll put my screen on to start a business and to actually get things going because of the cost of operation over here. And now with the European Union, it's very difficult because you have a lot of Eastern European companies that can bid on the same project that a German company could work on in Germany. And they will always come in cheaper mm -hmm. because they don't have the same costs as the German companies do. Not in a long shot, right? Um, it's a big. Pro it was a big problem for a long time where you had a lot of companies coming in with workers who weren't actually on payroll they don't have proper insurances and all of these things and 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 in germany it's 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 not a little slap on the wrist when when you start getting um you know when the, when the government catches on to you not doing things properly I, I don't know what it's like in other east german eastern european countries but it's a big problem on the job site because as i mentioned a lot of the um here we got this Canadian nice is just fake and backstabbing. I don't know. Yeah, I, 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 I agree in that uh, a lot of people, when they find out that I was raised in Canada, they have a very, very, very different opinion as to what Canada is. Mm. And the biggest thing I always get is, um, how could you come to a place like this after being in Canada? Mm. And I look at them and I say, you don't understand, like 95% of our population lives in a big city and close to the U.S. border. And our cities are a disaster. You know, mm. they're, they've completely clear-cut everything in and around the city. And they've named the streets after what used to be there. <laughs> so, so like we used <laughs> to live when I was young. Yeah, when I was younger, I lived on a street called Old Oak Drive. There are no oaks there anymore. Mm. They got rid of them. That's what used to be there. So uh, the point is, is that um, it, it is it is a bit, uh, that, that that's actually a bit of a pet peeve of mine as a Canadian is that most people assume um, that we have this beautiful wilderness that we, that most Canadians, I'll honestly say, most Canadians have no access to the wilderness mm. and don't go there. Right. Yeah. And it's crazy for, I think, you know, when I'm here, like I always went camping. I always went up North. Um, I, I loved that. I loved leaving the city. All you gotta do is drive a couple hours to the North and then you have the, the, you have wilderness till the North pole pretty much. Right. So um, there you go. And with the Canadian industry, what I must say is that uh, they're a lot more proficient than the Germans are as far mm. as planning is concerned. I will say that hands down. They're uh, the Canadians. Uh, they definitely. This is why. I mean, like 
look at some of our downtown areas. Toronto has how many skyscrapers? Over 100 stories. When I explain that to Germans, they, they, that takes them back to <laughs> tell them that uh, Toronto, for example, is uh, one of the largest cities in North America. I think it's the fourth largest now mm. next to Mexico City, obviously, um, Los Angeles and New York. So, uh, Toronto's bigger than Chicago. <laughs> and um, the skyscrapers that we have are are nuts. Like it's uh, they're huge and they're built so close to one another because of um, the ice age. The earth there is really compact and uh, we can do those kind of things over there. Hmm. So uh, and then so when I come here and I see how the Germans struggle building small buildings <laughs> that there's no planning and nobody there's nobody in charge and and you know uh what's been sold on paper it, it, the way that it's brought to reality is 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 quite sketchy i find that a lot of people um they just want to get their job done and move out <laughs> mm. of the onto the next project instead of actually delivering a, a good product well this is something that has to do more more on a profound level with these people obviously they're maybe not happy and not in the moment and enjoying what they're actually doing because then they would care differently well, right? uh, as i mentioned before i think that the eastern european thing is a big problem mm. um because what happens is is that and you know this well maybe you don't know this too much from your experience uh, right now with your ngo but when a, a larger company specifically backed by a type of foundation or ngo which most companies that are building large buildings are Right, the building gets built by uh, by a, a company that's, uh, and if it has anything to do with tax money, then it pretty much has to always go through a foundation of mm -hmm. sorts. And they're within the corporate world, they're pretty much bound within their own rules and regulations to always go with one of the cheaper um, quotes. So if they're looking for somebody to put the floor in for the whole building, mm -hmm. and they get ten quotes, they they have to look at the, uh, uh, the like. They're allowed to throw out, I think, the cheapest, but they have to pick one of the cheapest three, mm. right? And this is a big problem because, as I previously mentioned, um, all Eastern European companies can always come in cheaper than a German company. Yeah, yeah. And so, therefore, actually, most of, of Germany now is being built by East Europe. And it's a big problem. And mm. the German companies are mandated by law to make to, to let this happen. Mm. And, and so, mm. that being said... It's not just planning that's gone. Um, there's a language barrier yeah. working yeah. in Germany on site, and it's really bad, right? Mm. And as I mentioned before, people living on site, I see this all the time because you get um, people who who drive in from Romania. You get people from Slovakia, from Czech Republic, from Poland, uh, Hungary, coming with their with their with their workmates um, Monday, mm. sleeping at a motel or on a job site until Friday and then they go home for the weekend. Mm. And that's that's standard practice here. Yeah, yeah. Even in our company, we have a Polish person right now um, who lives in Berlin Monday to Friday and sees his family on the weekend. Mm. Um, wow. For him, it's not that bad. He only lives 100 kilometers away, but I've seen Romanians drive from North Romania to Berlin um, and they stay here for a couple of weeks, get their job done, and they go home for a few days and then they mm. go to the next job site and that's the end of it, right? Yeah. Um, anyway, so the, the part that I'm really... You know, trying to emphasize is the planning side of things, and the reason why I say that is because, obviously, now when you have um, uh, companies from all these different countries that no longer speak the la same language, planning becomes more important. And the problem that's happening is, is in order for German companies in order to to remain competitive now with the Eastern European prices, they just throw planning and documentation out the window. <laughs> right? Mm. I, I I've I've actually um, charged on a couple job sites. 
just planning. And the reason is, is because the at least the people building the, the projects, they were trying to be a little bit, uh, they knew that they were going to end up with a bunch of Eastern European companies. Mm. So what they did is they ended up finding a German company to do the planning and then hired the Eastern European companies to mm -hmm. install everything. So at least the planning would be done on one level. Mm -hmm. And um, obviously, you know, the architects are pretty much always going to be German. You have to have a German architect um, in Germany to do something. So the, okay. the so a lot of the planning goes through the architect, but they're so busy and they, they're not like an architect isn't a, um, a building, man like it, it's not a job manager, right? He has nothing to do with the project itself mm -hmm. uh, on a functional level. His job is to make sure that on paper, the place makes sense. And as so long as people build to the specs on paper that will be within within margin, right? So um this is a huge problem. And 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 I've 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 charged over 20 grand in the past just for planning. And a lot of companies throw that out, thinking, ah, when we get there, we'll figure it out. <laughs> and, and 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 it happens all <laughs> the time. And it's the biggest, I would say that actually. It, 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 I don't know what, like, I, there's no real order to these uh, pet peeves that I'm putting up right now. But if I were to say, um, if I were to give it an order, I would say planning is number one, mm. is that the planning has to happen properly or else the job yeah. is always going to take longer and you're always going to end up yeah. losing money and time because of, of um, bad planning. Yeah, I would actually say it's the same for me, planning. Yeah. In our industry. Well, you you the tell me a lot with um, the way that even uh, the the doctoral theses are being written today. Mm. People are often there's no such thing as that 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 Greek method methodology that we learn of in school. You know, um, hypothesis, um, experiment, results, conclusion. Well, yeah, I mean. It really depends on, I guess, the the scientist who's conducting the study and who's it, it surveying the students. Most certainly will. Yeah. Uh, but what you've told me often is, is that often people, uh, they just go out and they start, they 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 go out and start collecting data randomly, mm. and then from that data they create a conclusion and then the hypothesis backwards. Well, yeah, I've seen it, and um, with with me it was also usually you have. The, the doctoral thesis are, are not really um, a project already planned. You know, you have the positions that are paid for the PhD, which are usually part of a bigger project where the project leader thought about, okay, this could be a side project as a part of it, so I'll put a PhD on it. And he would he would contribute more data to a bigger, bigger, bigger picture. But sometimes, just like me, <laughs> I know I went to the university, to a research group and say, you know, I'm interested in a PhD. What could I do? And yeah, of course, they take me with open arms because, you know, I was willing to also work there without any payment because I don't know. I thought this is obviously normal. It is, it's actually sometimes really normal in, in Germany for biologists that we start with our PhD in a work group and we don't have any money for it. So we have to work uh, at site or we try to get money through, yeah, through a third funding place or source. And so with me, I didn't get any funding for my project. And I, I was kind of, you know, interacting with my supervisor and he said, yeah, well, here are, there are rabbits here in Frankfurt. Maybe we just like study the rabbits. You know, they they have latrines. And that's how the whole thing started. But there was no right. real 
idea what what do we want to research what is the goal of the whole thing i eventually kind of carved it out on the way and thought okay maybe we'll just have the bigger topic of comparing urban rabbits versus rural rabbits but i didn't thought through how much work that it was really <laughs> so mm -hmm. the the whole thing exploded into a, a project that took like took it that took me seven years and i was really working on it every day kind of trying to have it full time i um would start working at the site to you know kind of make money for a living but thinking back i could have i could have it could have been done in three years just with proper thinking proper planning and I feel like I've done two PhDs at <laughs> time. So yeah, planning yeah. is... One is to all. show the world and one to uh, learn from. Mm -hmm. All right. <laughs> um, all right, let's go to the next pace. <coughs> Government, big pharma, and foundations. Mm -hmm. that's, uh, that's, that's on your list. Um, what you expressed to me was that if you want to survive as a biologist and you don't want to be a part of one of these big threes... It can be very, very, very difficult yeah. for the biologists upcoming. Yeah, absolutely. So I think you have to be aware of the fact that you, well, first of all, if you want to make a lot of money, maybe biologists uh, will be, be becoming a biologist is not the best decision to do. Yeah. So because, yeah, especially if you are in foundations, environmental stuff, there's, yeah, you get paid, but it's not a lot. And it really depends on uh, the, the foundations, but in general. So most of the people who are into more chemical part, biochemistry, they are going to big farmers where you are, you know, job security. have a better, <laughs> a better payment and a job security. And I've seen it. I've seen a friend of mine, he was really into wolves and ecology. He liked that, mm -hmm. but then he didn't get any job. And so he ended up in a farmer industries he kind of you know specialized himself more on cell cell structures and whatever it was and then he got a job there so i think he kind of sold his, <laughs> sold his soul but uh that's for everyone to decide how they want to you know live their lives yeah, but, how does a biologist uh, become self-sufficient in that in that standard like i mean you guys mm -hmm. pretty much all like you're not going to go out and start a business that's based on biology not easily not really i mean what you can do and what i've seen is some people become self-employed planners or like monitors for species if you mm -hmm. go out and you kind of monitoring plant species these kind and of so things but and they're, they're, their money is still going to probably be from large companies and governmental yeah that's that's where it comes from yeah. i have or you go into environmental education where you become an environmental educator and you go to schools or you know giving classes that's something you can do as well or you go into science yeah science communication more in a journalism part where you write articles for uh, mm -hmm. websites and all these kind of things yeah yeah so just to go back to our last point um the planning mm. um Felminator says here that she has a friend that uh, originally comes from Africa and um, didn't come from a lifestyle where they had all this stress and all that stuff until they came to Canada mm. um, and uh, really learned the nine to five working hours, building on their own business and stress and the working around the clock and uh, stress them out to no mm. end. Now that they uh, were ever lazy back home but didn't have this kind of stress always working and dealing with unreasonable clients and these ridiculous demands and lavish lifestyles i'd say that that actually goes more into um um 
our topic before the planning, to tell you the truth, is is more that when you don't have a grasp on the whole um, environment that you're working in, mm. then um, it's always going to be uh, difficult, you know, uh, whether it be from a planning point of view, whether it be from, um, what's that? Well, oh, I'm just getting comments over there. Okay. So anyway, yes, thank you for that comment, and and I uh, and and I and I completely agree in the sense that uh, it's very difficult. I think with um, with a lot of like for us with the European Union um, to be able to have some type of open communication with all the different countries that don't have the same languages, and then when the planning gets put out the window, you have a lot of people who come mm -hmm. here and just have different ways of doing things, and it's not easy for them. It's not easy for us, and at the same time, as I mentioned before, we're we're kind of bound by law to to take always the lowest common denominator or the mm. lowest uh, um, proposal in order to build something. Yeah, so yeah. it makes it a bit, it, ma it makes it a bit tough. I must say there are a lot of laws in Germany now that are changing, as I mentioned before with the insurances. Um, one thing that they had done is they said that if you're, uh, if you're now working in Germany, that you have to have German insurance because in the past you had a lot of people come mm. over mm. here, register a business, start working and didn't have insurance because, or they would just lie and say, I have insurances from back home, but their insurances from back home can't be compared mm -hmm. and uh, so something goes wrong and then they don't actually have insurances so anyway yeah that being said let's uh, let's keep going so government big pharma and foundations i find that uh it's it's an unfortunate reality i think in your industry is that a lot of people don't really realize that if if they're not really willing and i think this mm -hmm. is a good thing to kind of put out there as a warning for a lot of the people who want to who maybe are considering becoming a biologist or yeah. uh, or uh, um a career in science to understand that if you're if you don't want to deal with these three things then maybe a career in science isn't for you mm. right like i don't know yeah, if yeah. It, it like obviously engineering is a very different thing a lot of the people in my industry now are actually coming more from the industry uh, the engineering world um but uh government big farmer and the foundations like uh it's it's something mm. that you've shared with me many times in the sense that if you don't have a position in one of these three things, and government is also including university, yeah, yeah. you know, a lot of yeah. scientists, they actually end up just end up working for the university. Um, right. Yeah. And it's not an easy place to be either. Right. There are a lot of rules and regulations mm. um, revolving around that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, and I would say that uh, I was actually taken by surprise to see how that, how, how Madeline's industry actually really works um, on paper. Yeah, I mean, what I, you know, looking back now, what I would have, um, what I, if someone asked me, you know, what I would suggest to do, mm -hmm. or just like, I think first, it's really important to follow your interest. What you are interested in is a very big, um, it, it's a, a big sign for you where to lead in, in your life. What is it that you're interested in that will motivate you to become better and to really thrive in that area? And whether you go to the university to learn it, there or you decide you know i'll kind of just sit down at home and <laughs> start reading books or i'll do some practical stuff whether it's drawing or someone who, who wrote me on my channel said you know i always wanted to study biology but then i did something else but i i still read all the books and stuff this is mm -hmm. exactly it you know this is studying and so a lifelong learning in the field that you're really interested in, I think is the best guarantee for you to to find something that you can maybe make a living off in that area. Like with me, I, I think I have a very alternative <laughs> way kind of end up. I was working in university, but also then I was self-employed. I was uh, science communication. Mm -hmm. Now I'm in the foundation stuff. And 
I never planned any of that. I also was unemployed during that time and, you know, kind of not knowing what to do. But mm -hmm. there was always things coming up and I always followed my passion for biology and for nature. Also having my own journey and now combining these things, writing books about my experience and always looking to nature how how we can connect and what we can learn from it. And I think this is what life is about to also find... Yeah, that, that connection, that deep appreciation of mm -hmm. being alive and having experiencing while you're here on earth, also finding that inner peace within yourself and that just that that happiness. So for me, it was also a very spiritual journey on that yeah. level. Well, I think that that that's the reason that should yeah. be for, uh, driving a lot of this. And this is something I kind of wanted to wrap the show up yeah. with more than anything. Um, so we'll come back to it before we leave for today. And the reasons why, you know, why I started doing what I do is, is because I love the creative outlet. Yeah. That's where it really began, you know, back in the day, um, as a musician, it was, a, it, I, I loved touring. I loved, um, the, the technical challenge of actually mm. being able to put a, a show together and, and it works, right? The puzzling part. <laughs> the puzzle, yeah. And not, it's not for everybody, actually. No, I know quite a few musicians who are quite the opposite. Yeah. Uh, to them, it's more about their own personal therapy yeah. and narcissism uh, for <laughs> yeah. being on stage. Whereas for me, it was really, I really enjoyed the creative puzzle. Mm. And obviously, there's a social aspect mm -hmm. to it that I really mm -hmm. like. And that's actually something that we, I think, have in common because with me, it was also that puzzling part to understand the whole puzzle of, you know, the nature and universe. Yeah. <laughs> that was always something driving me, but also the creative puzzling part, like with now with my book there, it is just finding, you know, first of all, all the pieces and then try to fit them, how, how they work mm -hmm. together. And this is something that I just love to do. And it drives me to, yep. um, to, to do this kind of work. Yeah. So I'm going to go on to the last uh, peeve of mine, and okay. that is uninformed customers. <laughs> uh, it's, it's not even just the customers. I think that it's it's really an industry, and I would say that it's in your world, it's the same thing too. When yeah. people are asking you things, and you clearly know they don't know what they're talking about, <laughs> and and they're for some reason the like the driving force of the program happening, <laughs> and you're thinking. This isn't right. It's, yeah, you shouldn't set, uh, sit someone at the wheel who's not able to drive. <laughs> there, well, th there you go. And <laughs> and so in my industry, what this really translates to is, um, you know, let's go back to the greenwashing idea. Mm. I think that people have had their minds so nicely greenwashed <laughs> that they, they're buying things and they don't know that they need it they, mm. or they don't know why they need it or if mm. they need it. They're just buying it, right? Mm. And, or, or, you know, I've said this in the past too, one of the worst movies that influenced my industry was Iron Man. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Everybody wanted to buy stuff because all of a sudden they saw Iron Man talking to the walls and the walls mm. were just doing all these things. And it was all, you know, voice communication and you know, they watched like Stargate Atlantis and stuff like that. And, <laughs> and everyone's talking to the, to the computer and the computer's compiling stuff. Mm. It's not like that. It, not not by a long shot. And if you want it to be anything similar to that, then it requires a deep commitment on a cust on a consumer level to yeah. want to understand what the hell's going on. That's the same. I just when you said that with the movies, you know, I I've seen it many times with um, like Disney movies where there were animals involved, like mm -hmm. the, the uh, Dalmatina, yeah, Dalmatian, and the little clownfish. What is that? Nemo. 
Oh yeah. So yeah, after yeah. after these movies, people started going in, in you know, and like buying these right. fish, having no idea how much how much information you have to have, like right. uh, like the the saltwater fish, what what it doesn't what it needs, and I w I never <clears throat> understood that, like how. How can you can can up with that? You know. Well, and this is one of these things. It's a bit of uh, keeping up appearances. I think that a lot of people. Um, it's a fashion, maybe. It is a fashion. It's mm -hmm. exactly that. That's what I mean. That's exactly what I mean yeah. by that. Um, and the the fashion will drive uh, the consumption. You know, Marcus said this in one of our earlier mm -hmm. episodes. He said that uh, all decisions um, are emotional in context. Yeah. Right. And so when you're a consumer. The act of consuming is emotional in context. And yeah, and to put it back maybe also to the beginning, what we had um, today, why people are want to greenwash and why it is like that, you know, why people are going out and, and want to consume. It's because they they want to fulfill a desire that they have, the deep desire to be part of something mm -hmm. that they are seen as good people that are be part of a society. And I think, as I said, I think it's a very deep desire that we have to be part of a social group because we are social yeah. animals. Yeah. And when we see like, you know, oh, this is something out there that is kind of, um, everyone needs to have that in order yeah. to be part of the society, then you go out and buy it and you get go out and get the greenwashing. even if the, the source of that information is yeah. completely fake. That's the first thing, but also it won't, it won't, maybe for a short time, the desire will be fulfilled, but then you realize this is not you know, this is not really helping on the long no, run. This is the difference between wisdom and, yeah. uh, and knowledge. And that's what I said at the beginning. You know, I think greenwashing is, you can just forget about it. What you should do, what we should do is to really teach our children how to connect to themselves and our, to the ourselves. environment. Ourselves first. Yeah. And then our children, something that we should teach them in school to sit in silence, to be able to just listen to, you know, the trees and the leaves and the birds and be happy and not having the urge to to go somewhere mm -hmm. and to buy something. And when you find that inner peace and that inner connectiveness and you feel that you are part of everything around you that is alive, you mm -hmm. don't need to have all this stuff anymore. And I know what I'm talking about because I've been there. <laughs> I was some someone like that, feeling always empty, feeling always driven, having yep. no connection to reality and nature. Although I studied biology, but I was disconnected. And now I can see I'm on the other side, you know, I can see the difference and I really, this is my big motivation also writing my books and uh, doing this, what we're doing right now to to just get that message out that, um, yeah, all the problems that we have, I think are based on that we lost the connection to nature and ourselves and we can reconnect on that level to learn how to go into meditation, to learn how to be in the moment, to feel our body, to realize that everything around us is also alive and there's a certain energy into it that we can tap into. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I said that really well. You said it very well. It should, that, that, that could have been a nice closing statement. So you're going to yeah, have to be... Uh, we can have that We're going like to have to reach into your creativity uh, in a few minutes again to oh, close this up. Oh, I don't know up. if there's still left. Oh, there's, there's still, still tons something left. left. There's more coming. So <laughs> uninformed customers, actually, I would say uninformed consumer would be probably mm. um, the better word. So I'm going to put... Oh, I just said that. That would actually be a cool combination of an uninformed customer living on the side. It's that, that's exactly what it is. No, it, it, it look an uninformed customer living on a job site that has no planning. I mean, this is now the standard that's that's uh, that's occurring in my industry, and this is a big reason why I'm looking into other industries right now because it's just it's it's yeah. it's frustrating. It's falling yeah. apart, 
And it's not fun anymore. I think that uh, 15 years ago when I was, uh, even 10 years ago when I was completing jobs, there was there was so much happiness on mm. the customer's side because he was so happy to have all this stuff working. I mean, yeah. this is, it, like when you when you are investing in your own environment, you're mm. really investing in yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? absolutely. And over here, I don't know if this is again more of a European or a German thing. People are investing into their environment because it's fashion. Mm. Um, a yeah, good yeah. example of that is is in North America, almost every home. Um, that has a little bit more space and a little bit more influx in in um, uh, finances, mm. they're going to do something cool there, you know? <laughs> they're, they're, whether it be a, a billiard room or a, a, a cigar den or a, a home theater. Yeah, uh, fitness. A, 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 yeah, an exercise area, absolutely. Yeah. Um, or, or what we often have is, you know, the garage for uh, the musician's room. So you have the yeah. studio room or you have the, in German, they call it the Bastelzimmer, which is the, the room <laughs> for building stuff, you know, like a little carpentry area. Uh, which we often call the man's cave, you know, the that Baukammer. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, um, or in the backyard where if you have a little bit more room that you might do something, you know, obviously the, the swimming pool is the classic thing, mm-hmm. right? Um, but the swimming pool is more of a status thing because it's something that everybody else sees. Most people who have swimming pools don't actually use them. And I know people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, it, and this is, this is one of these things where, uh, that's a big difference I see in, in North America, all these things that I just listed off, is very standard. Whereas over here, I've been I've been working here for over a decade, and all the apartments and all the homes are the same. Mm. I've only seen like really once or twice something cool and different in a home here. Yeah. Um, one guy had a diner in his basement. That was that was actually really interesting. Like he had a full-on 50s diner. So and he would always have he would throw parties and he had a, a swimming pool in his basement with a whole sauna area. So they would have like I don't want to know about the details, but you know, they'd have these like sauna parties and then they'd mix it in with like catering at the diner. So, but this is a guy who, who has, who was really loaded. Right. That was so, but yeah, exactly. And, and on the, on the, on the other side, I see in North America, a lot of people who are just middle-class that, you know, they want a billiard room. They want to, they, mm. they want a home theater area. They yeah. want to, re- they want a relaxing area. That's more than just the living room. Right? Yeah. It, and it's not just for showing up that they can afford it, but it's just yeah. like for enjoying Exactly. Yeah. And so that's what I was Enjoyment. saying is that, exactly. Yeah. Um, and when you're investing into your area, you're investing into yourself and over here, a big difference is that instead of over here investing into something fun like multimedia mm-hmm. or a billiard table or, or even a, a ping pong or whatever, um, people put out a lot of money when it comes to shit that hangs on the walls. <laughs> uh, a standard keypad just for turning the lights on and off. Over here, people will spend about a thousand oh. per keypad. <laughs> and that's unheard of in North America. Like I like I've I've worked on 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 mansions that that run 25 million plus and the the customer's like, I'm not giving you more than 300 per keypad. Mm. And that's like, you know, if you can get a customer to go anywhere between the three to five hundred mark, it's good. Because at least from a, even typically, not always, but often from a technical point of view, you don't want to go too cheap. Too expensive <laughs> is, is a pain in the ass because they typically, the more expensive they get, the more difficult they become to install because then they start, you know, having okay. like, the, like design. And that's really what it boils down to. It's like having expensive chandeliers and lights. These mm. things are horrible to install. They're, 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 the people who build them never thought of installing them, right? <laughs> so there all we right. go. In, uninformed customers. Let's bring up all the peeves. Um, so for you, do you okay. have anything to say about that? Uh, uninformed consumers? Like with you guys, mm-hmm. I think it's more 
um, a problem, and this is something that you shared with me, is, okay, the money's coming in from somewhere, right? Mm -hmm. So in the science world, it's typically a very safe bet if you're working with university or whatever. They have a budget of money that needs to be spent on research and mm -hmm. development. And mm -hmm. that's it. And they don't, they don't, nobody really looks too deep into it. And But mm -hmm. the problem with that is that the people who are delegating all the different um, programs, they usually don't know what's going on inside them at all. <laughs> and they're the ones making the big decisions, saying, I do this, do that. And you've expressed this to me many times uh, that you'll you'll alter the way that you do things because one of the delegators, one of the people mm -hmm. uh, responsible for delegating all the programs, i.e. in your case, it would have been like your um, doctoral supervisor, your doctor father, mm -hmm. telling you, I want you to do things this way. And then months later, you come back to him and he's like, why the hell did you do it this way? And you're <laughs> like, it was your idea. Yeah. I mean, yeah. In my case, it's not customer, but more like involved projects, people <laughs> uninformed and that happened quite a lot to mm -hmm. me when I you know discussed something with my supervisor I said you know we should do it that way and he said okay we agree on that and I went go out with my students we invest a lot of time and then coming back and I show him my research results and then he said well why did you do that that way <laughs> because we did we you know agreed upon and he couldn't remember because he had so much projects going on and there was not go. really keeping track on the different things um, but also something that I've learned from absolutely with important decisions important projects that I keep notes that I write down that I always have an email protocol with things that we agreed upon and yeah. that you know things that are <clears throat> said that the way we do it so that I have proof next time when someone said well you know why do you do it that way is that because we are agreed on that thing yep. and yeah so I mean there's always things that can go wrong but then you can change them after mm -hmm. But it was frustrating for me that, you know, each time I've, I kind of have to, had to re-explain him <laughs> what I was actually doing. I didn't feel yep. like being actually really his, uh, his, his supervised student, but more yep. like a tool for him to produce just a lot of papers. And that was exactly what I was, not yep. me, but also all the other students. And that was something that we might can go into the last part of my um, point, the heavy narcissism. Oh, yeah, that was an extra point. I, f I figured if we had if we had time, we could talk about okay. that. Well, I can just cover that briefly. And that was something that was really, yeah, also a topic in, in, in university, narcissistic people who, yeah, define themselves over the their success, how many people, how many papers they publish, how many students they have, how many money they pulled in, that they're so, so out of touch with their true nature and their true reality that they can only feel valuable through all the things they, all the things that they accomplished, and they totally lost empathy for themselves. Mm -hmm. You know, just treating the, themselves like shit, <laughs> going, uh, running work over work day and then not re relaxing, becoming, yep. you know, ang uh, angry and, and losing uh, perspective, right? Losing perspective, but also putting that onto other people. And I could many times see how these people exploded from one point to the other where mm -hmm. I realized oh, something is not going the way they want to and they feel their career being threatened. Mm-hmm. And realizing that this is, you know, part of their personality, a big part of their personality, that they don't have anything else than just being that scientist. Yeah. So, and I never, I didn't really realize that because I didn't know at that point what narcissistic people look like and how they behave. Although I've actually been, I grew up in, an, in a household with um, two narcissistic 
people. Your, your face was too close to the painting to see the picture. Yeah, I didn't, see, and I didn't yeah. know what it is because it was so normal for me. You know, I was just uh, surrounded by people yep. who behave like that. That's why I, I guess I ended up with him as well, with people like that because I was just attracting it. I was mm -hmm. a co-narcissistic person who always agreed and who was always like, yes, I do it that way. Mm -hmm. Yes, I will please you. Yes, please just give me a little bit of, you know, attention and just a little bit of confirmation that I'm a good person. Yeah, appreciation. Yeah. That eventually there was a situation where the whole thing just exploded <laughs> my, between me and my supervisor where I realized, wait a minute, he talks to me in a way that this is not okay. Even if he is, you know, kind of like superior to me on a on a level which also i realized he isn't we are all humans we are all um worth you know have the same kind of worth as a well, I, as a human yeah i i would say more uh, and i've had this in my industry where i've 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 had proper yelling com like um yeah uh, you know exchange uh yeah. with not necessarily Customers, I, I I've always gotten along well with the customers directly. Mm. Uh, the problem is typically the person under the customer. Mm. Um, I I did a job for a, a sheikh, a sheikh, or whatever the hell you call them, uh, South Shaykh. Arabian, um, um, the Arabian, um, what do you call them, the oil tycoons, and so he had a German representative to do all of his decisions, and that mm. guy was just unreal. I mean, you couldn't <laughs> right. He sat in the corner and smoked his pipe and 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 yelled at anything that moved. And <laughs> and so I, I I lost it with him. And it was really funny because I I told him exactly where to stick that pipe, and then I left. <laughs> and it was really interesting that he afterwards um, requested that I be the one mm. to come. He banned a lot of people mm. from the job site, mm. and I was the one that really. Um, just had Adam, and mm. he only wanted me on on the site. So it, it was interesting to see that some of these narcissistic people actually they're testing you to see yeah. if you're going to stand up toward uh, to, to them properly. Right? Yeah, I had the same experience. Once I stood up for myself, uh, all of a sudden, well, he had his time where he kind of really were angry with me, and yeah. also later on, I realized that that you know kind of working his anger out on me. But there was also a time where we came along well and he was really, you know, kind of like um, even a little bit submissive sometimes that Typically, he realized, yeah. oh, okay, I think this is also, um, I, I've I read a lot about narcissism and just uh, the, the characteristics of that, that these people, basically what they do is they're looking for attention, right? And they try different tricks to get this attention. And if mm -hmm. they realize that with suppressing you, they won't get this energy from you anymore and then they change their mm -hmm. change their, their strategy course. yeah yeah and so they become maybe nice but still you have mm -hmm. to be careful because you know it can always yeah. uh this is something we can talk about again. actually in another episode yeah, i was thinking could. about talking about the uh um the celestine prophecy a little bit because i yeah, that that, sure. that uh, book talks a lot about that exactly yeah. as to how um these dynamics uh, occur in society and in people and so on and so forth. So that's something yeah. that I want to actually talk to because talk about because uh, it's something that I found puts a really great vocabulary mm. to exactly what we're talking about. We yeah. can go into that in more detail next time. Okay. Well, so, but then yeah. So for today, let's go over the points here. Um, the main one I think that you and I um, share is the greenwashing mm. element of things. And as I've mentioned in my job, I've seen I've seen it all too many times where. A skyscraper that's being paid by tax money is getting this huge tax cut mm. because they're supposedly they're they're green and they're doing great things, 
And it's anything but that. You know, yeah. they buy a whole bunch of stuff they don't need. <clears throat> they have no actual um, concept as to how it's supposed to be integrated. The people consuming it. And it's not just the person flipping the bill because the fl mm. person flipping the bill in that case might often be the taxpayer. Mm -hmm. But the people using the building later on move in and, and they're thinking, how is any of this stuff supposed mm. to actually work in reality? Mm. You know, a, a classic example would be uh, building a heating system. Mm -hmm. um, extravagant costs for a heating system. And everyone's cold and doesn't understand how to make the heating go. It, it, like what ends up happening is, is they ask us to put limits on the heating system. Mm. So like a maximum of like 22 degrees uh, Celsius, right? And... Um, naturally for some women that, that that's that's too cold yep. and and uh <laughs> when you're in a when you're in a room where the ceilings are three and a half meters mm -hmm. high the heat rises right yeah. so obviously i always try to put the, the the temperature sensor at like hip level so that it's measuring more about a meter off the ground and uh but you know you have people sitting at a desk and and their feet get cold so they go out and they buy electric heaters because they can't actually <laughs> heat the room the way that they want <laughs> this is a bit this is a different problem right? yeah, I, like yeah. where where we are right now if i were to go over there and grab the thermometer what does it say it says it's about 17 celsius i have that's why i have the blanket here see so i i'm <laughs> i it doesn't bother me at all to be in a cold environment i think that the average person if they were to uh and exist to in seven, socks exactly <laughs> uh, so what, what is that in in, in um fahrenheit oh, I, I would say 20 is about 70 so we're talking like you know 65 fahrenheit mm. maybe 60 depending um and uh, i think that for a lot of people that would that would just drive them nuts but i don't like being in an environment where it's 26 degrees yeah. the average ha the average uh, office environment i go into is usually heated to about 25 yeah, yeah. And, and it's absolutely crazy it's also me. not really healthy i think also for your brain function i, I, I grew up yeah. in, a, in a household because my my grandma she was also from that you know she she experienced the the second world war and all that i think for them it was always important to heat up the house as high as possible to not only show themselves but everyone who was visiting us that we are actually able to heat the house that we yeah, have yeah, the yeah. money and we have the resources the rich but people have the active chimney <laughs> it, I hated it. It was always too warm for me. I always slept with the window open. I know that was a lot of energy you know, mm. going out the window, but for me, it was way too warm. But, well, in, in, yeah. in your environment, like her, specifically her mother's place, her parents' place, um, they heat the house with wood. Yeah. And uh, so what they do is they have a central boiler system that, and they have a forest right across the street that they own. And they, they, they over here, what had happened was, is they, removed all the trees hundreds of years ago, mm. um, almost a complete Many deforestation, them, yeah. and um, have since then replanted the forests. And the forests here are cheap pine. Mm. It's just the way it is because it grows yeah. fast, um, you know, and uh, they grow straight and they can make beams out of them and whatever. And so um, that being said, pine, when it grows specifically in an area that it's not supposed to, makes the earth really dry mm. and it uh, becomes a big fire risk. And so over here, yeah. the trees have to get cut down or else they will catch fire. And it's not that the trees have to get cut down. It's you have to constantly monitor which ones need to yeah, get cut down and, and, and take them out of the equation. And it's a big problem. And, um, 
Madeline did an excellent um, video, video cast in Die Sendung mit der Ziege, which is her German video cast. So for all of you guys out there <laughs> who are interested in the German side of uh, Madeline, yeah. uh, go check out Die Sendung mit der Ziege. Um, and it'll, there's a YouTube um, video cast for that. Mm-hmm. And she's also available just like us at Smart Home Stupid People. Um, in every major podcast pl- uh, platform yep. out there. So for all of you guys who don't know that, uh, when I when I say that uh, we are also live on Podbean, Podbean then after aggregates all of our audio to all the major platforms. So if you want to listen to us later on on Spotify, <laughs> Apple, whatever, we're there. And the same thing with these Anamitha Tsiga with Madeline's podcast. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Yeah, let's, you know what, let's wrap things up. Yeah. It's uh, this is this is now our longest episode. I think we're we're Almost yeah we just hours. hit two hours. Ooh, Look yeah. at that. Um, greenwashing. Mm. That's the big one. Mm-hmm. Uh, as as I was just uh, you know saying. Yeah. Um, on your side, you have publishing systems. I put system, but publishing system. Uh, yeah, the publishing system, the, the infrastructure of publishing. Mm. How how it it's it tends to be flawed by nature, and mm. it's it's like the holy grail for some reason when it comes to <laughs> writing law and policy into reality. Right? It's kind of funny. That's all it is for me. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. Blümchen uh, Seda. I like that one. Flower counter. So, the, so the, your other uh, pet peeve is. Uh, not being taken seriously as a scientist. Yeah, but do, uh, to be honest, I don't care. I you am, say you don't care, but I, I know these things are not. Uh, you know, it builds <laughs> not up anymore. Over time. There were times where yeah. I felt like you know I have to get more respect. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I don't need this anymore. Um, I respect myself. Number three <laughs> is uh, and that's the important part. Um, working for either government, big pharma. And government, I also mean by universities, because over mm. here, universities are not necessarily private. Um, obviously, in North America, universities are private. So government, universities, big pharma, and foundations. Mm-hmm. I would actually put four uh, pieces in there for the rest of the world. Um, and on my side, customers living on site, planning or lack thereof, and uninformed customers. is is like all those three things to me just... <laughs> It's one big pile of, mm. yeah, it, it often goes hand in hand. If one of those things fail, typically they all fail. Um, and then obviously the last part that uh, Madeline had talked about, and that's the uh, heavy narcissism within the scientific industry itself is a very difficult thing to deal with. Yeah, it's just something I, I don't want it to be part of it anymore mm-hmm. and just walked away from it. And, and I think that actually is one of the big reasons why um, for you working with government, university, big pharma and foundations, foundations, uh, you, you know, that's where you landed. Mm-hmm. Um, is there a reason in, in your mind why this, <laughs> this was more the place you could go? Like, I, I like the fact that most, there are still a lot of small foundations out there. Yeah. And so yeah. it's not so overwhelming. I don't know. I was just, you know, when I was self-employed, I was looking for a job to have at least like a stable income on that level and to... Just see what else is out there, and so I I found that position, and I like that you know they try to support natural questions and animals, and that's how I applied to. And yeah, I mean there are always you know things you like and you don't like with these kind of things. So, but I'm actually pretty. At least I'm I'm very happy that I'm not at the university anymore in the whole system. So that's that's much better right mm-hmm. now. But also, there is a lot of politics going on in that whole foundation. Big time. Uh, just to part, which... touch on that, uh, um, we just got a message by Chris from oh, yeah. Chris on Podbean. He says, Hello. "I'm an 
expert level alternative historian when you mentioned Monsanto is was the Western European and North American front from uh, for former German World War II um, IG Farben. I don't know what IG. Uh, IG anyway. Farben. That's a German. Um, that's actually German company they produce yeah colors mm -hmm. and chemicals and stuff Ach, yeah of course Farben. right um, they're actually in frankfurt it's a huge building yeah, and okay. stuff huge company um which was uh which was 36 corporations uh, to form one conglomerate that found uh, that funded hitler's war machine now and, and this is kind of like uh going back to and thank you for that to that comment um this this actually goes to what we were talking about before with um you know Madeline's foundation, though it be a small foundation, was able to stand up to uh, a company like Monsanto. Mm -hmm. And um, this is something for me, when I first came to Germany, I noticed the quality of food immediately, mm -hmm. right? I, my, my mom's a nutritionist and a naturopath. And so um, we always had the, like I, I mentioned this in past episodes, yeah. I, my household was the household that, that, that didn't have cool stuff to eat, like <laughs> sugar and, and Twix and that stuff. And so coming to Germany, mm -hmm. for me, I always grew up around healthy food. And coming to Germany, the food here is on another level. Mm. It's nothing still, like... Still, but who knows how long, huh? Well, and this is the yeah. thing is still and who knows how long because they are... Con the, the people here are constantly under pressure from mm. these large international corporations and have no idea, mm. right, that this is happening. The yeah. average person here is so oblivious to what I would say, the the, the corporate machine, you know, whether it be mm. the war machine. A lot of people here have zero idea how their products or anything is, is built. I think Germans are one of the most removed people on the planet when it comes to how products are actually made in reality. Yeah, yeah. And maybe. and mm -hmm. so they just they 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 trust what's on the label and they buy yeah. shit. And it's and it's really unfortunate because they could be such a powerful ally for what I would say truth mm -hmm. if the average German wanted to inform themselves that way. But until mm -hmm. that itself becomes a fashion, they just won't. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And and that being said, now like. Genetically modified corn did not come to Germany because of Madeleine's boss. Yeah. And maybe just as a little side note, how he actually did it, they wanted to bring the genetic modified corn into, you know, Germany. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know really how the story was, but he was on a court decision where he said, um, you know, it is in Germany, there's a law. It's not allowed that natural products are genetically modified and mm -hmm. honey is a natural product. And so when the bees go out and you know, they go into that area where there's the genetic modified corn. Then, of course, they also, that that part of, of that genetic, the, the, the corn seeds and it all that. Modifies it modifies the bees. Yeah, and it also no. it will spread to other plants. And when they collect right. the, the nectar and the pollen from these plants, it will go into the honey. Yeah. And that's why that was the major decision to say, you know, when we do this, then we will lose our natural product, the honey, mm -hmm. because then well, we Well, not can't just the honey, but like you mentioned, now if the bee goes to another uh, yeah. flower or another uh, farm that mm -hmm. is not using genetically modified stuff and it's doing and it's pollinating that crop too yeah the bee is now actually taking the genetic modified organism and introducing it into other areas well that's that's the whole different story that's something we have actually part of our foundation there's um someone who's just just responsible for the genetics part right because they want to introduce that but for into you the guys food you, industry you, you saw that um protecting honey as a natural product was the way that you guys were able to defend yeah when, if yourself I remember from right, the I think genetically modified corn crop that was 
part of it. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember hearing about that when I came here that uh, GMOs are not allowed. And it was funny because the other day uh, we we bought something and um, she's like, I'm, I'm going to buy this one because this one says no GMOs. And I said, well, the only reason that packaging says no GMOs is because it's not German. Because there is there are no GMOs really in Germany. Now, with exception, a lot has changed specifically mm. over the last couple of years. I think that ever since the whole uh, floodgates have been opened for the the the, the, the new uh, genetic methods like the CRISPR Cas and all, all that things. stuff. Exactly. Yeah, and and the, and the, it was interesting because uh, that all happened a couple of years ago with the uh, what are you, those those rapid tests for the whole Corona CAC. Is that when that came out, Germany was angry that they weren't allowed to produce these things in Germany because of the genetically modified mm. laws that existed, and so they had to remove the GMO laws in Germany to allow German companies to produce the rapid tests for uh, COVID. And unfortunately, ever since that floodgate has been opened, it hasn't mm. been closed. And so now it actually really bothers me in the sense that I wonder where else that's going to go. Yeah, yeah. Is, is that that like that the, the ability to have that type of technology researched on this soil uh, and produced inevitably is going to go into a different direction, specifically, as yeah, we yeah. mentioned before, with now Bayer and Monsanto being the same company. It's a Who knows what they're going to be doing to our food crops in the near future? It's a huge, huge mess right now because I can yeah. see that, you know, like he, um, he's right in the middle of the whole conversation and discussions about that topic and it's so controversial and it's so mm -hmm. dirty. People are really like, you know, yeah. going against each other. They want to say, well, this is a great opportunity to solve the problems that we have, you know, genetic modified plants that are resistant against heat and, and different crazy. parasites and crazy. all that. Yeah, it's crazy. But they really believe that this is a solution, right? And then and you have the other people saying, we don't know what will happen once you introduce these genetic modified organisms into the ecosystem. This can just like have catastroph uh, cat catastrophic, catastrophic, catastrophic. <laughs> I think I'm done now here. Yeah. Um, implications. Yeah, implications. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and, and so for me, growing up in a in a household um, with with a mother as a nutritionist and a and a naturopath. Uh, I just remember in the 90s, you know, my mom, when she was learning a lot of this stuff, constantly <coughs> giving me all these little um, fact nuggets about the stuff that's going on in the world of genetic modification, even way back mm. then. You know, she was telling me how um, in order to grow strawberries in North America, like in, in, in the further north, like in the northern provinces, uh, not northern provinces, in the southern provinces in Canada and the northern states in the U.S., um, they had found a fish. I can't remember what type of fish. Maybe mm -hmm. you'd know. Um, that was that existed off the coast of, I believe, Chile, Argentina, and in Antarctica. And the idea was is that this fish is so resilient towards temperature mm -hmm. changes that they extracted the gene responsible mm. for it from the fish and put it into the strawberries. <laughs> and then people would buy the strawberries and. I heard my mom was telling me way back then that people with fish allergies were reacting to these types <laughs> no of strawberries. Yeah. Because it's the protein that they were allergic to. Yeah. And it was actually was a specific protein within the fish that they ended yeah. up synthesizing and altering and putting into the strawberries. Yeah, yeah. Um well there you can argue that, you know, without us that that the, these kind of things wouldn't happen, you know, like a fish wouldn't <laughs> cross with the strawberries <laughs> <laughs> right? to put the genetic information in it. But if you consider us as also part of the ecosystem that we are maybe the vector of these kind of things. So it's hard to say well, if this is a good or a bad thing, right? I, but I think we shouldn't mess with nature and we shouldn't we shouldn't absolutely. Uh, play God. We talked about this a couple episodes ago with, um, uh, oh man, self-propagating systems. Mm -hmm. And it was all about that in the sense that 
systems are built to self-propagate themselves. Now, we as humans, we build things like governmental organizations, foundations, and so on and so forth, corporations, with the interest in accomplishing something. But once we've set that that uh, you know entity into uh, in effect, we've brought it into reality. Mm-hmm. It changes and morphs with time. Yeah. Right. Like like Monsanto. This is a company from what the 30s, right? 20s. I don't know when they started, but way back when. And uh, it's it's absolutely insane to think that a company that had a couple simple goals is now all over the globe mm-hmm. has its little paws in everything mm-hmm. and actually now their product isn't necessarily uh, a physical product or a service it's mm-hmm. actually trying to change the minds of the people in in order to view reality differently mm-hmm. and that's uh, that's what i often call magic with a k which is which is not no longer the sleight of hand it is the magic that is being used to change everybody's perception, perception on reality in order to invoke a new reality yeah. so companies like monsanto are actually in the business of altering reality that's their that's their new product. So that's what they do is they they present to you this new reality of what they believe the world should be like, mm. and they use techniques like greenwashing in order to get everybody else on board yeah. to and, and to try and guilt trip the average person into supporting them. Yeah, and maybe to wrap that up and to kind of you know say what we can do about it, I would say that we all have the ability to create our reality, and this power you have to become aware of and use it in your everyday life. So how you want to have your life? How do you want to want to have the future start imagining it start bringing your energy into reality and creating what you really want and hopefully it's not the same as Monsanto wants <laughs> yeah there we go yeah so for all of you guys out there this has been a fantastic episode one of our longest our longest <laughs> look at that yeah, two wow. hours and 12 minutes my goodness what comes out of our little nuggets I knew that this was going to be a, a <laughs> bit more involved um, and I think that Sunday is always a good day to do that because it's start also a little earlier, bit earlier right yeah. so it's not that late now exactly look at that it's eight o'clock now so that means that but uh, I think I'm, I'm, I'm really hungry we're, now. we're hungry exactly Exactly. And so I, I heard the cat like mowing a couple of times. <laughs> yeah, he's like, at the door, laying laying down and already like starving. Yeah, but that's, he's patient. I mean, so that's he, the thing that's about animals. They, 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 animals are so patient when it comes to getting things done. It's, <laughs> well, it depends on you know, like Arvid is patient. Fiona isn't. She wouldn't have just cried the whole time. Well, you were talking about uh, there was a, a research study that had been done on cats to see what it is that they do with their time. <laughs> And uh, the, the lady you had talked to, uh, they had ah, yeah. uh, put a, a little camera on the cat to <laughs> see what he does with his with his night. And they're wondering, like, tapping the monitor is like, is it frozen? What's going on? <laughs> and literally, the cat just stares off into the distance for hours at a time. And they know he's not sleeping because there's a little bit of a sway in the camera, <laughs> right? So animals are unbelievably patient yeah. and in the moment. And I think that yeah. that, to me, is the, is the message that Absolutely. I can definitely um, take from yeah. your industry, from nature, and to yeah. try and apply into my industry yeah. is to be in the moment and to really enjoy. And I think that for me, it's an issue specifically when I'm on a project and I'm constantly getting phone calls and bothered by mm. other projects that are pressing and have to be done yeah. now. And it's it, it, it cheapens the environment. And this is a big reason why I'm going back to being self-employed. Because I'm only going to do one project mm. at a time, and I'm yeah. all, and, and and if I don't see that there's proper planning, or I get the feeling that the customer wants to live on the job site while I'm there, <laughs> and what I mean by like, it's one thing to do a project in a home that's already done. I'm mm. talking about when it's a when it's a, a construction site, site mm. and it's dirty, yeah. and 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 the customer now starts to alter the way that everything happens in order to 
whatever he thinks mm-hmm. is going to be. The, mm-hmm. It starts micromanaging and becoming the job yeah. site manager himself. Yeah. Well, maybe to just say the last couple of words to yes. that cat story. <laughs> what you said. Go for it. They also were just sitting each other and looking at each other, just staring for hours. Gazing. <laughs> Gazing. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, this is exactly when you observe animals, the patience that they have and the, the connectiveness to their reality, they don't drift up with their mind in the future or past. Think about all the things that could have, you know, could happen or that happened to them. They're mm. just in the moment and they're happy with it. They're not looking for a distraction. They're are just they 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 just are yep. and i think this is what i learned through meditation and and as you said you know when you are on a job site and there's so many phone calls coming to you there's actually one meditation called hara meditation where you learn to say no where you mm-hmm. learn to yep. silence your environment yep. so that you don't have that constant constant disturbance mm-hmm. you know you can have the disturbance from within but you can also yep. have it from from the outside and from the outside you can go and you can r- get rid of it f- by setting priorities for yourself. No, uh, using that word no, it's a huge one. And I'll say yeah. in my industry, using the word, the word no is important to set boundaries in order yeah. to also create Every realistic issue. expectations. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Alrighty. Okay, I think that's... Uh, that's that for that. N- this it can't a- get any better. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So uh, yeah, that's the big take-home message. Yeah. And for all of you guys out there, we will be back Wednesday. Not yeah. a two-hour show. I think to, when we do two-hour shows, it's only going to be on Sunday. Yeah, uh, Wednesday will be 8 o'clock p.m. for us, which is 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If mm-hmm. any of you out there have a, a better... We'd like to do two shows a week. I, I think we're enjoying that. Um, I am. How are you enjoying it, Maddie? <laughs> yes, yes, I am enjoying it. I mean, I had actually this week like three, right? So I had my podcast yesterday. That's right. That's true. Um, sometimes I feel like I have don't have words anymore. <laughs> but obviously there's still... They're still coming. But as I mentioned before, you're the sex appeal of the show, so it's, ah, okay. it's important that uh, you're here for moral Even support Even with as well. my pyjama and my blanket. There we go. No, it's not my pyjama. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll be live uh, Wednesday. And for any of you guys out there who wish to have us at a different time, check out the Smart Home Stupid People chat, Smart Home Stupid People channel on Telegram. And, um, you know, just say hi. And um, if you have any show ideas or anything like that, post them in there create a new conversation, get things going with us. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll be happy to uh, bring any of these things into reality. And obviously, we are in our living room right now. <laughs> and we are inviting you guys in to have this conversation with us. And so we really enjoy Thank you for everybody today who has taken... Yeah, thank you, guys. And yeah, it was really taken nice. part in the conversation. Yeah. And it's really nice to be able to have it in you know this type of conversation with the world, not just us at a desk. <laughs> so. Or at least, you know, that we can share this and... I think it's important information that we have to put out, that we're putting out. Absolutely. Yeah. I I, I agree. So, for all of you okay. guys out there, last chance to try and get a comment in for the end of the day. Um, we will be <laughs> back on Wednesday. Yeah. We all don't right. know what the next topic is going to be, but we'll think of something. We'll find something. Until then, How have a good evening. Cats stare at each other. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> we shall see. All right, all everybody right. out there, have a good Bye. evening, and we'll see you Wednesday. Bye-bye. Oh, that, that didn't work. I, to, I pushed the wrong button. I haven't done that in a long time. Here we go. I think you're tired. I am tired. I don't All even right. know where my outro button is. Here it is. All right. Bye. I'll do this again. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>